Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face, they basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. In 2014, the world was left in shock when Malaysia Airlines flight MH370 mysteriously disappeared. Two videos surfaced on the internet claiming to reveal the truth. A plane soaring through the night sky captured by satellite camera. But then something incredible happened. Three unidentified flying objects circled around the plane in a mesmerizing rhythmic pattern. Suddenly, in the blink of an eye, the impossible occurred. The plane vanishes as if it passed through a portal to another realm. Today, we embark on a journey into the heart of this mystery. Join us as we sit down with citizen journalist Ashton Forbes, who's here to share groundbreaking research and findings. He'll reveal why he believes these videos are authentic and uncover the astonishing truth behind this plane's disappearance. What you're about to hear has the potential to reshape the entire investigation into the disappearance of Malaysia Airlines flight MH370. All right, today we got Ashton Forbes on the show. Ashton, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tony. Glad to be here. Man, I'm glad you're here. So uh, people by now, if they hit play on this, should have a pretty good idea that this is going to be a wild one. And uh, I just want to let people know before we get into this conversation, how this kind of came about. Uh, I am, I'm not real big on Twitter. Uh, I don't really do a whole lot on Twitter unless I get, I tend to tweet when I get grumpy about stuff. Yeah. And so it's more ragey content that yeah. I tweet about. But uh, every once in a while I fade into the Twitter and for whatever reason. And I saw a notification where a guy tagged me in your account and uh, I have his handle here. It's at Frog Rockets. So at Frog Rockets, thank you very much for tagging me. Uh, and it took me to your page and this thread mm-hmm. about your investigation. Yep. And I started looking through this investigation about the the Malaysian flight that went missing. And I listen. I was I was driving tractor trailer when this happened, mm-hmm. and I remember listening to Jay Severin, who is an old uh, political talk radio show host, and. He was covering this for days. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of people were, and he yeah. was talking about it. And he was he was really kind of going outside the bounds of the narrative that was being given to us, 
and saying things don't make sense here. And he he would do it in a very smart, educational way. Also jovial though. So it kept your attention. Yeah. And uh, he would talk about this plane going missing. And I remember it kind of faded from the airwaves mm-hmm. and it was really unsettling how there was no real answer. Yeah. And as years went on, little pieces of information came out. And before I went to your profile, I, I vaguely feel like I remember, and maybe we'll get into this, uh, but I, I vaguely feel like I remember people uh, posting online that they found a piece of a plane. And, 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 you're, and just the, the headline reading life we live these days, you're reading like, oh, they found it. Cool. Moving on. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. And uh, it wasn't until I came across your stuff and I started seeing rumbles of it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I, maybe in passing, somebody mentioned about yeah. it. I'm just like, huh, why are they looking into that? You yeah, know, yeah. and just keep moving. I'm busy. And when he when he tagged us into your account, yeah. and I saw the thorough research you were doing, yeah. I, it took me to the Reddit page. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap. When I saw the video, yeah. I never saw the video before. Oh, yeah. When I saw that video. How shocking. It, very Like, you're talking to a guy who gives all credence in the world to the idea of other parallel universes, parallel dimensions, the idea of portals, things zapping and all this yeah. other crazy stuff. Yeah. And I, I listened to your, your, your Twitter spaces uh, yesterday, the yeah. most recent one you did. And uh, you, you were really breaking it down in, in a very educated, scientific manner. I loved it. My initial reaction when I saw it, I was like, that thing got sucked into a parallel universe. You know, I was like, what the heck just happened? But on the video, it shows this plane coming and then these, these orbs going around it, doing these maneuvers and all of a sudden, zap. It's gone. It's gone. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and, and, and normally, I would see something like that and I'd be like, okay, somebody's faking something, right? Yep. But then with all your research and the way you presented it and the way you talked about it, it became clear to me that you don't have an agenda outside of just exposing this new information. And right. that's why I was like, man, let me hit him up and see what's up. And so I just, I think I, t- I said something on Twitter to you, just, you know, my email, yeah. shoot me an email. I could talk more freely then. Yeah. And uh, that was what, two days ago? Yeah. And then we flew you here to Knoxville to get you here because I want you to have the opportunity to share what you've discovered from the beginning, how this all came on your radar to where we are today. Everything in the middle. Now, this I know this is going to be a lot of information dumping, yeah. uh, but I think that this is the opportunity for you to really not worry about time limits. Uh, you don't have to worry about a host feeling like you you got to wrap things up. Listen, I told you we can go as long as you need to. Your flight's at sure. 7 p.m. today, so we got some time. We're going to uh, do it. We're going to do the whole thing. Yeah. So with that said, I want to hand it over to you okay. and let you kind of take it away how did you start looking into this missing flight? Is it something that you've always been into looking into? Or was there some kind of information that came across your path? How did this all start for you? And just take us through the progression of this investigation. Yeah. So I did have past history looking into MH370 in 2014, just because I have personally interested in what happens with uh, mysterious plane crashes from having flown probably several million miles in my life. Uh, And so when I had looked into MH370, I read all the blogs and everything about it. And like you had mentioned, at the end of the investigation, uh, you know, nine years ago, it was kind of just, oh, we don't know what happened with it, right? We're just going to assume that it crashed into the ocean and no one saw it and we didn't find it un- above or below water. 
So even before I started this investigation six weeks ago, I was already under the impression that the U.S. military knew something about what was going on with this plane. We are living in a post-9-11 world, essentially no way that this rogue 777 is not being tracked by Mm -hmm. them. As we've gone through the investigation, I think we've proven that they absolutely definitively had been tracking MH370, regardless of anything else. Um, my only personal goal here is to get the truth out. This, to me, it's not political at all. I always have a disclaimer in front of all my spaces that I do to say that, you know, this is not political. This is not misinformation. This is not QAnon. This is not alien invasion. Because these are narratives that you hear out there often to uh, try to confuse people and try to link things together that aren't. Um, I don't want to tell people what to think with respect to these videos. You know, as you saw it, it's extremely shocking, ontologically mm-hmm. shocking to people. It took me several weeks to really come to terms with what I was seeing in those videos. And before I begin to explain how it all happened, I want to say that my personal journey with these videos was that I looked at it initially and could tell that it had to be at least partially real based on having seen the leaked satellite footage from 2019, having seen what FLIR uh, data uh, videos look like. So I knew that this was at least partially real. I thought that the orbs in the vortex had to have somehow been added in post. I couldn't really figure it out. But as the editors, uh, VFX editors, kind of went in and looked frame by frame, they found essentially no obvious signs of any type of manipulation. And one of the biggest points that was found by a user named KCIMC is that the flash that we see in the video accurately illuminates the clouds, both in the background and in the foreground. Mm. And this is the part where I went, wow, the whole deal is real here. It's not just that. And so then when I thought about it from that perspective, I said, well, this has to be non-human intelligence. I mean, we're talking about orbs that are in a triangle pattern in a formation, very similar to what UFOlogy would say is a black triangle. Um, And they're spinning around this plane in what is just seemingly inhuman (laughs) ways, right? Now, with the ability of retrospect, I think that I look at that and what I see is artificial intelligence. Because I don't, I can't imagine three humans or even living organisms like doing this perfect circular triangle formation and main, being able to maintain it. It seems like it will require some higher level of control. Um, and so after we dug into the investigation, the more I dug into it, the more I realized, I don't think this is actually non-human intelligence. It's certainly still a narrative and a possibility, but there's more evidence that lines up that this is somehow our technology. U.S. government has reverse engineered this, and that what we're seeing in this video is an operation of sorts. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but that's just a little bit of a teaser for how my kind of understanding of what we see in these videos has evolved over time. Mm-hmm. And my ontological shock has faded as that's kind of gone through the evidence. And so that's what I hope to deliver to people here today. Okay. So just jumping into how we got here. So around August 8th, these videos were posted on the UFOs subreddit. Um, it's rare to have a really high quality videos get posted on that subreddit. Usually it's just a picture of a light or something floating around in the sky. This was quite a bit different. The first thing people noticed is they had been reposted in January of the same year on the same subreddit, and they were downvoted to zero, and all the comments said about how disrespectful it was to post these videos or whatever the situation might be. So people were already skeptical because the comments seemed a little odd, and everybody started to get a lot more attention on these videos, including myself. For me, the factor was that I remember seeing the thermal video in 2014 when I was looking into MH370, but never connected it to MH370 and just thought it was a random hoax video or something like that. It wasn't until I saw both videos that were both perfectly in sync and a one from a satellite that I realized there was more to this. 
So that's when the crusade began, not just with me, but with all of Reddit, essentially. Now, we had thousands of people that were swarming, posting every single day about every aspect of the videos. We have, uh, there were in-depth works done on the turn that we see that confirm that the turn is realistic for a 777 that's making that type of turn while descending. Um, we, as I mentioned already about the graphics, I had like three different testimonials from people with 10 plus years of experience that said that this would be extremely difficult. Uh, one of the other testimonials that I found is somebody who worked on Top Gun Maverick, who said that and that movie came out in 2022, mm-hmm. said these people did a better job than they did and that they would have had, they had to cheat to do some of the stuff that they see in wow. these videos. Um, the only thing that that person had a problem with is, well, why is the drone there since it's so slow, which ends up, I think being a huge clue. This drone cannot catch up to a 777. So why is it out there filming? And and we'll cover that in a second as well. Mm -hmm. So the investigation began. We We started building the evidence. And I said, okay, I can't let any of this stuff disappear, get deleted, whatever. I started saving everybody's links that I thought were high quality, that I could vet and confirm that were appropriate. And as I started to get enough information, I started to realize we can build a story here that fits with all of these facts. And we started to... I started to build a team, essentially. MH370X is what it's called. And that team is a group of people who are investigators who are looking up old news articles, archives that have been deleted about anyone who was on the plane, their family members, every statement they ever made, all the evidence we could possibly find. We found a lot of stuff that I think people have just completely forgotten with that. So we got to this point where we said, we've got all this information, um, but how do we prove it? You know, how do we actually prove it? And that's where I met uh, my satellite expert, Martin. He had posted on the subreddit uh, a 3D graphical interpretation that he created of a satellite, USA-229, going over what I had presumed to be the smoking gun location in the South Indian Ocean. At this time, we had been using all of the available data that was out there from, you know, the public and from the official narratives that said that this plane was the South Indian Ocean. And we had actually lined up the satellite coordinates with a, a location in the South Indian Ocean. And he made a video that said, yep, this, was look, this, was, this satellite was able to look at it right at that point. The problem with it was that it was the wrong time. It was way too early. It was like 1830 or something. And our plane's up in the Nicobar Islands at 1840, so it can't possibly be all the way in the South Indian Ocean. And this is where I had kind of a dilemma. Which way do we go with the investigation? Do we go with the investigation and following the satellite, which we think is the right satellite? Or do we go in the direction of following the official data that says that this had to have gone into the South Indian Ocean? And that's where a lot of this starts to unravel, essentially. So this investigation began on Reddit. It moved off of Reddit and became MH370X. Part of the reason for that is that it actually, this entire discussion got banned from that same UFOs subreddit after about two weeks, I want to say. And the way that happened was very suspicious. A debunk got posted that claimed that they have found a shockwave VFX that was supposedly used in the portal effect. It was posted by a one-day-old account that didn't have the karma to even be allowed to post on the subreddit. I talked to the moderators. They admitted that they gave it manual permission to do so. I asked them if they knew who the person was that was using this sock puppet to post. They would not respond and answer the question. The person who claims to have found these videos, there's only one person. Their name is Mick West, and they are on Metabunk website. On the same day that this was posted to the Reddit by the sock puppet account, 
Mick West made a post on the Metabunk, Metabunk forum saying that he had found this VFX from an obscure video game in the 90s. Interestingly enough, this VFX does not match our VFX. Um, not only does it not match, it's the wrong color. So most explosions you would see in a video game are white, right? Mm -hmm. But what we see in our event is a dark thermal event. So not even the same thing. They ended up manipulating it to try to get one or two frames to match. And even then, they don't match. Uh, I tried to ask them, how many pixels match if you think that they look the same? No one would answer that question. Interestingly enough, they used this, this uh, debunk got upvoted to the top of the, the subreddit on UFOs. And it was then used subsequently to shut down all conversation. All of the comments within it, and you can find this if you go search for it, basically talk about how happy they are to have this debunked and how this is finally over. It actually reminds me a lot of the Nazca mummy debate that was going on in the last few weeks, which I just can't understand why people who claim to be for disclosure would uh, be trying to tear other people down that hard. So the discussion got completely banned from the subreddit. And at that point, a new subreddit was developed, Airliner Abduction 2014. And that's where the migrants from that were investigating went to. <clears throat> now, keep in mind, I had not been on Reddit at this time. I'm just following along, pulling the data off of it, doing my own investigation. And I went on Twitter and I started basically posting on Twitter. I made my persona, um, you know, used my real name. I began to, you know, put the facts out there, uh, challenge uh, some of the disinformation that was out there. And all of this can be seen in my profile. So after that was banned, then everybody is on this airliner abduction subreddit. The problem with this subreddit is it's infiltrated and overrun with these Metabunk account people who are out there trying to debunk every aspect of it, which I actually have nothing against as long as they're doing it in good faith. Sure. It turns out the debunkers actually proved more aspects of these videos than anyone else to be true, Oops. including the person I just mentioned, KCIMC, who proved that the flash accurately illuminates. Interesting enough, if you go find his post, he, he edited it at the top to say that he thinks it's fake, even though he proved that it's real. It's, so that's the kind of thing we're essentially dealing with here. So when I started to notice this, I realized we have to have our own community that's going to be separate from this, right? And that's where we created the subreddit MH370X a few days ago, which has already started to blow up. Um, and there, we're, really what our goal is, is to solve the mystery, right? We want people who aren't out there, you know, trying to slow us down and put roadblocks in our way. We want people who are out there finding more corroborating evidence because it's very clear that there's something wrong with the official story. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we got to where we're at right now. And we have a pretty thriving community right now, both uh, the over 2,600 people who have followed me on Twitter in the last six weeks where I went from 30 fake followers to however many we're at now. These are people that believe, and not just believe in me, but they believe in the evidence and the facts. Um, and that's always been my approach, is I don't want people to believe me in this. I want people to just look at the evidence and find it that ve it's very compelling. Yeah, that's really interesting. So when, you, uh, when, when I first started looking into this stuff, I, I don't remember where I, I read it, but I remember you saying that uh, they messed up releasing a video uh, and so I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll get to it, but, but when you say they, are you, are you referring to the military releasing the video? So to me, the question is why even film this, right? Mm -hmm. If you're filming this, this is such a huge risk, um, because it's going to, it can potentially leak. Right. And so that's the part where when more I think about it, just filming in general seems like a risk, but the person that actually went ahead and recorded the satellite video and leaked it 
they didn't use a camera like my the camera that you see here, or the cameras you see there. That was not something that was set up. They were using the actual screen recording while they were logged into the database. And what that means is they definitely got caught. So it adds a whole layer of intent to this is, okay, why are they filming? Why did this person decide to leak it? And why did they go through all this intent in the way that they leaked it, which we can talk about here in a few minutes as well? Because I think that that's also extremely compelling when you look at the evidence. Hmm. Well, carry on then. Okay. So let's go ahead and just stock, start. I'm going to go through some of the facts about the videos, okay? So the first video uh, has an archive date of March 19th, 2014. This is our satellite video, and it's posted by an account named Regicide Anon. This account seems to be one of these UFO accounts that just posts UFO-type videos. For that reason, we don't suspect Regicide Anon of being directly involved, but we do believe they were given this. Now, in the description of this video, it says, Received March 12th. 2014. That's four days after Malaysian Airlines disappeared. It also says source protected. If you look at Regicide's other posts, they don't say source protected. Most of them say source email, submission, things like that. If you look at the uh, higher quality, there was a higher quality version of the same video released by somebody else about a month or two later. You see then their description, it actually mentions Regicide Anon arguing on a forum about the authenticity of these videos with other users, which gives us the idea that Regicide Anon was given this video by somebody who said, this is real, I leaked this, you need to promote it. And then Regicide went ahead and started arguing with other people who probably couldn't believe it was real either, mm -hmm. right? So between March 12th when they received it and March 19th when they posted it, Presumably, they were validating it, verifying it, making sure that it's legitimate. So the video gets released on March 19th. Now, the thing about the satellite video when we watch it is that it's extremely cropped. You're only looking at the plane, but we know there's a much bigger screen in the background. And the way we know that is because there's more, more than one analog at play. You can see the mouse moving over the screen. The mouse actually moves off into the bottom left of the screen and to the top right of the screen. Which tells me, you know, I've got a double monitor set up at home, but it can't do that. So if what we're looking at is potentially a much bigger view, and then when we're looking at the plane, we're just looking at a small window of it. When the coordinates move in the video of the satellite, they don't move with the mouse moving around, which tells us there's another analog that's moving the coordinates. I went ahead and looked on, on uh, YouTube and found what I think is the actual device. It's like a mouse that they use for 3D satellite video. This mouse is theoretically pointed at a point on the ground, like in Google Earth. And they can move that around. And when they move that around, the person who was leaking this was moving it around to keep the plane in the window, which they had, you know, they wanted to keep it in view right there. And the key to this is they cropped out the Predator drone, the Gray Eagle. It's just out of view in the north of our uh, video. There's probably other assets that were also cropped out as well. And that gives us some intent. Unlikely this person is a spy. If this person is a spy, you're just going to release everything, leak everything out, right? And you probably don't leak it to the public. You leak it to your, your nation, right? Mm -hmm. To me, this is somebody who's a patriot that was probably either filming it themselves or heard about it right afterwards and had so much guilt or whatever, and felt like the world needed to know that they went ahead and risked everything to leak it. They knew they would get caught by logging into the Citrix session, but they knew that that would be the only way to prove it. Because if they, it was just a video camera, we would say it was fake or whatever. They gave us enough evidence with the coordinates in there that, that we would know that would be the Nicobar Islands. The NROL-22 told us this is a spy satellite footage. 
although it's not being taken by NRL-22, that seems to be a command satellite that hangs out around the North Pole. And the idea, if you're on the North Pole, you can kind of see everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So a really good location for a command satellite, theoretically. Now, what happened, though? This video got out March 19th, 2014. Did anything happen? Did it blow up in the media? Nothing, right? So now you're the leaker, and you've been leaking this super hot footage, right? You're probably afraid of getting arrested at any moment. So the next thing they do is they leak the thermal from the, uh, the Gray Eagle, and they leak that on June 5th, 2014. So is that the second video footage then? Correct. Okay. So that's the one where you see the colorized version that's very close up mm -hmm. compared to the overhead shot that you see. One thing I want to point out before I get into that on the satellite footage, there's another huge clue in the satellite footage. Regicide Anon's leak is actually, when you look at it, it's two scrunched together videos side by side. When I first saw that, I thought, that's so weird. Why is it like that? I thought maybe it's just duplicated, right? Mm -mm. What we're looking at is two different cameras that are banking a 3D stereoscopic image. And now when it comes to satellites, there's not a lot that are like that. There is a set of them that there are, the, no the Naval Ocean Surveillance Satellites, NOS satellites. They used to come in triplicates. As recently as their third generation, which began in the early 2000s, they now come in duplicates only. Now, if we're trying to find a satellite that can do this stereoscopic imaging, it's going to have to be pretty recent from 2014. Because what we see there is, I mean, we're looking at video of satellite, right? Before that, we didn't even know that was possible. We've seen pictures, but mm -hmm. video... That's quite a bit of an advancement. Interestingly enough, Trump's 2019 leak of USA 224, which Marco Lambrook was the one who reverse engineered which satellite that was, went up in 2011. When we look at that picture, it looks pretty similar to our picture. We can tell there's a low Earth orbit satellite because it's coming in at an angle. If it's a geostationary satellite, they're so high up, it's always looking straight down. So we know that we have low Earth or satellites that can take these kind of pictures. Now, with our satellite, quite a bit more difficult. How do we figure out which is the right one? So if you Google NOS, though, you'll find out there's only two that were sent up between like 2010 and 2012 that could really be our satellites. I believe the other one is USA 238. We found that USA 238 is not anywhere close. USA 229 is the one that's close there. Now, not only do we able to prove that it's 3D stereoscopic and that those are two different cameras and that when you put them side by side, you can see the parallax effect by flipping it back and forth. But my, my satellite expert, Martin, went ahead and converted it to an actual 3D video where you can put the glasses on and watch it in actual 3D. So that point right there is like, okay, how is anyone faking this? This is just so far beyond what could be faked at this point. Um, so that's the situation with the satellite footage and why it's so compelling right away and why I think the leaker already felt like they had absolute proof when they leaked the satellite footage. We just couldn't believe it. Ontological shock, 2014. We didn't have what we needed. Let me ask you a question. And yeah. This is this is a conjecture. Just you, there's, you've never talked to the uh, the leaker. Yep. Why would somebody risk leaking this and do it the way they did it? Because you know, uh, I don't recall exactly how other leakers in the past have done such things, but like the idea, and even you coming down here today, I told you, you know, the safest way to do this is to dump all the information at one time very publicly. Yep. It doesn't feel like they did it very publicly. They almost did it like they wanted it out there, but they're trying to remain anonymous. And it just seems like that's a given danger zone. 
So I think that there's a really easy answer to that, which is the same reason why I haven't been put on the media, right? If you come to the media with this and you say that you're, here's some secret intel, they're just not going to run it. They're going to go to the government and get you arrested right mm-hmm. away. So I think that their idea was, I'm going to go to some anonymous, you know, people that are unknown in these UFO circles. And I think they probably leaked it on a shared forum or something like that. And they just hoped that that would get out there and then it would raise to national attention because it would be undeniable. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happened at all. And I think that that has to actually evidence that what Grush talks about, sophisticated disinformation campaign. Mm. Now, how sophisticated do you think it is or whatever? Like, I personally think that it's both extremely sophisticated, but also extremely silly. Um, the cover up in the scenario we're dealing with here as we'll go into more of the facts is very surface level, like basically assuming no one's going to go look into any of this stuff. Because as we've had, everything just unravels. So I think to your point, they did that because they thought that was the best way to get the information out there. Now, if you're just a normal person, you may say, no, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to go to CNN and what have you. Well, I tell you what, go try to do that with the next big thing you think and see how they treat you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just come to Tony Merkel. I'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't trust CNN, Fox News, any of them really. No, exactly. Um, no, this is information that, you know, it takes a unique uh, platform and audience to get out. And that's what our attempt is here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, before you progress in the storyline and the research evidence and all that stuff. We skipped something in the very beginning that uh, I knew I was going to forget if I didn't write it down and I didn't. And that's, uh, I, I think, and if you're okay with this, we didn't sure. prep for this, so feel free to say I'd rather not. But um, what's your background? Because when I'm listening to you talk, it, as somebody who doesn't really know you and the audience doesn't know you, it's very apparent that you have a very analytical mindset. And I think it has a lot to do with what you do in the background. But I want people to understand that you're you're not... Um, I don't know, like a, a psyop or anything like that. <laughs> so if you could just let people know your background before you go into any more information yeah. so they understand who they're listening to. Yeah, so um, I'm a normal guy. I have worked in healthcare IT my whole life from when I graduated till now. Um, pretty much doing the same job. My goal in life is just to help people. Um, and so I joined healthcare because the healthcare system in the United States needs a lot of help. And I figured that would be the location where I can help the most. So I've worked at many hospitals across the entire country, probably more than I can count, honestly, to help develop their electronic medical records um, and improve their systems and processes so that patients would get the best possible services. And that job does come with a lot of analytical understanding, which is you need to understand how the system works and you need to understand you know, what all the nuance is of the system. And you get a lot of times where people come into you with uh, issues that you have to play a game of telephone to try to figure out, okay, what's the real problem here? you know, get to that root cause of what the real issue is. And that's really where I attest that analytical skill set. You know, I say that that's how I got that and grew that skill set for my job, which I think I am applying here. Now, mm-hmm. I want to keep in mind, I'm not necessarily an expert on any particular area related to the videos and certainly not one on hyper-advanced technology. Um, but I can go and find the research, understand the research and apply it myself, um, you know, given my limited understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was important for me to get that out there before we got too much further. Uh, so uh, where do we go from here as far as the information goes? Yeah, well, I think we'll just keep running through some of the video information, which is some of the most compelling. Sure. Um, so again, that Gray Eagle footage was leaked on June 5th, 2014, which was two to three weeks after the satellite footage had been released, widely released. Um, that was uploaded a week later by Regicide and Non. Now, keep in mind, something I mentioned earlier is that there are higher quality versions of these videos that were released later by other people. And what this alludes to is the fact that none of these are the original source. 
because you can't create a higher version from a lower quality version of a video. And the other version of the satellite doesn't show the stereoscopic effect. It looks like they just pulled one of them, maybe made it a higher quality or what have you. What does that mean, stereoscopic? The stereoscopic is the effect I'm talking about with the two cameras looking down, right? Where it creates a false 3D appearance, Mm -hmm. essentially. And that's how we were able to convert it to a real 3D appearance, which um, there's a video as well that I have that proves that it's stereoscopic, where someone goes through the editing tools and shows you all the buttons they press to prove that it's a literal stereoscopic effect. so that's extremely important because this is a highly advanced. Are we talking about Marvel Studios here making 3D movies or James Cameron making Avatar? Like, you know, and we're talking about now the dates that I just throw out there. The time range is extremely narrow, right? We're talking between four days and 72 days to make a full 3D model that you can create these three these videos from different perspectives, mm. right? And you need to create three videos. You need to create the two that you're seeing from the satellite to create the stereoscopic effect. And you have to create the drone one as well. To me, that's already makes it completely impossible. I've done enough work in my life that nothing gets done that quickly, especially not in hot, you know, visual effects and stuff that we see in movies. That stuff takes the longest, right? And as I pointed out with the Maver- the Top Gun Maverick scenario, you know, that person wishes they could have done what these people did, and that was eight years later. And they ch- they chimed in on on this whole situation. It, was that on a thread? Yeah, that was in one of the Reddit comments. It's interesting to see like how much people throw out their own experience and information yeah. for the public to know and weigh in on these videos. And so that's why I saved some of the most compelling ones that I saw. Mm. Um, because, you know, we can look those people up and confirm that their identities are real if necessary, but I don't want to, you know, dox those type of people. Sure. I like to take them at face value. Yeah. Um, especially if what they're saying, you know, checks out and makes sense, which it seemed to. Um, the other thing too is these cameras are made for filming these types of events. So we don't think that these orbs are even visual in the visual spectrum. And part of that is because both cameras are filming them in IR. The thermal is actually an electro IR camera, highly advanced. I believe it's built by Raytheon. And the thermal layer was actually added custom over the top. I'm almost 100% sure now. The reason for that is that it was stripped. Uh, we, we, someone manually stripped it, and you can see more detail in the clouds which makes you think that that's not the original version in which it was filmed in. Um, So that's a little bit interesting because it then says, okay, is the person who leaked it, the operator, like what technical experience do you need to know to be able to do that? Um, So that's kind of one of the clues that we're still, you know, looking to wrap up. But we've got the broad stokes pretty well down at this point. With respect to the mission statement for these technology, the satellite, the drone, um, they use a SIGIN system, which is Signals Intelligence. And this signals intelligence system is essentially a network that allows all these devices to create a global network to communicate with one another. And so this is where you link NRL 22 to USA 229 to our Great Eagle. They're working together, looking at the same thing, collecting data from multiple positions on it. It also matches the mission statement for SIBRS, which is the space-based infrared system. So what this point of this system is, at least publicly, is to track missiles and things like that. When you read into it publicly online and Google it, you'll find out that it does more than that. It also can track planes, boats. It provides battlefield awareness Hmm. and intelligence. So that's really important when we think about that battle map that we think we're seeing on the satellite video, where we're seeing it crop to just the plane. Most likely, that's a very large field of view that we're looking at there from that satellite. Because the point is, someone can log in and say, here's the battle. This place goes here. You go here. Fight. Take out this thing, right? Um, so what we're looking at is extremely advanced technology, even from, especially from 2014, but it may be even today as well. Um, 
And I think I already mentioned the, the higher quality sources. Uh, there's several of those links that are, have the higher quality sources that make us believe that, okay, that's, they're not the original person. But the real smoking gun with that made these videos real was when someone found out that the mouse had a different frame rate than the background. And they thought, well, this has to prove that it's fake. It actually proved that it's 100% authentic. So I'm just going to run down this list right here, which is that uh, the mouse drift that we see could be explained with a jog wheel and trackball that does not have the click activated. Now, I think we're moving away from that because we've actually found the real device that they build for these. Then they have like 3D glasses that you wear and you like move this trackball mouse thing around to mm. move the visual screen around. It's very cool. And I'm probably going to post it on Twitter in a couple of days. The screen capture of the terminal is running in, with the resolution is running at 30 frames per second. The Citrix remote terminal session is running at a default 24 frames per second. Streaming a remote virtual desktop at a different resolution in 24 frames per second. They're viewing the custom video software panning around uh, a large area. I already mentioned the mouse moving around. They're remotely navigating that large resolution in six frames per second. So what we're seeing is the satellite six frames per second. We're seeing the recording 24 frames per second with the mouse over it as well that's matching the Citrix session. Essentially, what that says then is that this is actually somebody who logged in to the actual database, Intel Spy database, did a screen recording of whatever they were pulling up and cropped it so that we would only see what they wanted us to see. So they were trying to be careful with what they were releasing. I think so. And I wonder if it would have had an impact on their sentencing. Like perhaps they wouldn't be sentenced quite as harshly for something like this. So you think they're in jail right now? I think they're, yeah, at best in jail. Because and, of this? Yeah, 100%. Having looked into it, I think the biggest piece of evidence actually came out like two days ago where New York Times did an article on a guy who stole spy information or um, satellite spy satellite information for Africa. And he's facing the death penalty over mm. it. He's facing execution potentially or life in prison. And you think about that and you look into what has happened for people that le uh, illegally leaked spy satellite information and the, the sentences are harsh. Spy satellites are probably the number one most guarded secret other than maybe UFOs and whatever else is out there, right? But And there's a good reason for it because look at what we're looking at here now. Look at how much we can discern just from looking at these videos about the technology. Like I would even wonder, this was nine years ago, are we to the point now where we have enough satellites so they can do a remote playback of the entire world anytime they want? You know, like we're not that far from that and we might already be at that point. How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, you know, for me, it's a little bit scary. I definitely go outside every once in a while and look up and I'm like, okay, are they just watching me right now? Or, you know, but, um, you know, I think it's technology. It's advancement, right? We can't just be afraid of it. Um, you know, I, I like to have the government leave me alone as much as possible. But at the same time, you know, this is technology that's keeping us safe, protected. And keep in mind, if what we see in here is real with this technology, then, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a risk. There can be a lot of good that can come from this technology, like green energy. Yeah. But there can be a lot of bad that can come from it as well, like weapons and war, et cetera. And we need to be ready for those risks. So I think the government is doing the right things to protect us. But at the same time, you know, we have to be careful about private rights and privacy as well at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I want to ask you this question before you keep going. Yeah. Uh, you, you're referencing uh, the way this video was captured. And maybe it's just my memory as to what I remember seeing. But to me, when I watched that video, it 
it looked like somebody was recording it from like a device, like recording it from their phone on a screen. Is that how it was? Nope, they're not using a phone. And part of the reason, I thought about that a lot. It was one of the first questions I dug through, right? Mm-hmm. They, they would have had to have had some kind of perfect stand behind it, but there's just no way and that would work. Um, and I think we would have known right away as well from the video that it was, you know, you'd have the exit data or something like that that would say, oh, it was this iPhone 7 that recorded this. But okay. I, again, I think the reason why they didn't do that is either A, you can't bring a phone in wherever they recorded that from, or B, they knew that that would be considered, it wouldn't be authentic enough. For them to do that. What they're doing for sure is this actual screen recording on the computer that they're on. Part of the reason why we can tell that is that at the end of the satellite video, they scroll the mouse up to the right and they close the window and it goes dark. So what we're looking at there is not a camera. Mm-hmm. The actual mouse went in and closed it. Do you have any thoughts on how something like this could have gotten out? I mean, did they not just really. simply put it on a thumb drive, walk out with it? Probably, you know, like I... If they were on like a laptop logged in through the Citrix session, then sure, you can do it. You can pull the file somehow, right? And get it onto your device. And thumb drives are, from working in healthcare IT, thumb drives are the number one risk for people because there's computers lying around everywhere and all somebody has to do is plug a thumb drive into it, Mm. right? And so a lot of places that I'll go to actually block off the back of the computer so you can't jam anything into the USB drives. Um, So to me, that would probably be the most likely uh, it's a question that I hadn't actually considered though. So mm. thanks for answering it or a question or asking yeah, it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, yeah. you know? Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Um, so some of the other stuff that I had about it is, uh, some things that we recognize from the videos. Uh, there's a heat signature in the plane in the bottom half of the plane in the cargo hold, which is odd. It might be fire. We're not entirely sure. We also see either smoke or exhaust coming out of the plane in both videos. The reason why these are not contrails is this plane's not high enough up for contrails. Contrails only form high altitude. Based on the witness statement, based on the fact that we see the cumulus clouds in the satellite video, we believe that the altitude's somewhere between 2,000 and 10,000 feet. Mm. So too low for that. Um, so if it's smoke, this plane's not going to last very long because if it's on fire, plane's got to get to the ground quickly. Um, but that's just something where that's one of those pieces of evidence where it kind of depends on what narrative you believe, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you believe a narrative of espionage, then this plane doesn't have a lot longer to get wherever it needs to go. If you believe in a scenario where there was an emergency encounter, uh, then this actually kind of adds up where, okay, were they trying to land in the water now because they couldn't land in Penang? Um, The other things we see is the orbs. So the orbs, the pattern these orbs do is very specific. It, um, I don't know exactly how to equate it, but it looks like sine and cosine, um, you know, the, the wave functions that you see. It looks like those wave functions overlapped over the top of each other. It's like too perfect to really have been done by a human almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're in the UFOlogy side, there's so much stuff that can link these to the orbs that people have been seeing in the zeitgeist the last five or six years, black triangles, you know, all of the above. The orbs, there's a really interesting aspect. And I have uh, one of the videos that we should show with respect to this shows that the trails of the orbs are cold. They're dark. So not just that, the trails of the orbs aren't actually trails at all. They're not coming from behind the orbs. They're actually in front of the orbs. And you can watch the, tr- the orbs being pulled towards the trails in the 10-second clip that strips the thermal layer from it. You can see very clearly that as these things are spinning around the plane, they're actually being sucked forward in the direction of these black trails. 
And the reason why the black trails appear to be behind them is just due to the speed on which the everything is traveling. That's one of the first things where I saw this does not look right. This doesn't look human. It certainly doesn't look like anything a hoaxer could just come up with off the top of their head. The So these trails that are in front of the orbs, do we have any thoughts as to what these trails could be? And I asked this question because what you're saying, and as somebody who does not have a scientific background, but has heard a lot of things, yeah, it sounds, I could almost see how maybe what you're describing is what maybe Bob Lazar described only caught on video. Because Bob says that the way these things maneuver is that somehow they remove gravity in front of the device and it falls into the gravity less space. And it does it so fast by repetition that it is able to do what it does. So could that be what's happening in video? Only we actually caught it on video? I don't know. So that's a great question because I've looked into Bob Lazar's stuff. I've watched his stuff. And I think the only thing that doesn't add up with respect to Bob Lazar's um, statement around how they operate is that in our video, we don't see it turning on its side and kind of moving forward like he talks about with the gravity engine. Mm -hmm. But that's, I think, part of the reason why this could be our reverse engineer technology because we are seeing some of those same elements. We are seeing that gravity engine potentially where it's being pulled forward along those lines. But we don't necessarily, I don't think we're talking about crafts in which people are in in this case these look to me like they're balls of energy for the most part and i'm not you know super advanced in science but i did look up a bunch of different scientific stuff and uh, try to stay on top of it you know i think that what we've got going on here is two major advanced technologies one is superconductivity and superconductivity is essentially allowing things to float over magnets right things that don't aren't otherwise magnetized so if you want to think of back to the future hoverboards hover cars, that's what we're talking about. It's not going to be fiction. It's going to be real pretty soon. And so that would help explain the kind of floatiness that we see of these orbs is that they're just simply have separated themselves from the effect of gravity somehow. The other thing that we're seeing, this is hypothesized in one of my spaces, is that there could be a laser that is creating an electromagnetic force in front of the orb that is creating that trail that's allowing it to kind of flow through it, which would create what you would call a gravity engine, essentially. Um, the thermal itself, the way and the reason why the thermal was colorized, I believe it was with intent as well. They wanted us to see the specifics of the orbs. It looks like there's a hot point on the orb, and we think that might be where the engine is that's pulling it forward, right? And you can watch it kind of spin on the axis at that point as these orbs do their weird formation in a triangle. Um, so, we can see that part of it, but they also wanted us to see that the event is cold. If it was in black and white, people would probably argue, oh, which way is hot, which way is cold? They just, they flipped it or whatever. But when it's in color, you can tell that colors of the engines of the plane very clearly. And we can see both the trails are cold. The other explanation has been described to me is that they might be absorbing energy from the surrounding environment, which is something that is uh, extremely advanced technology as well. Um, and then with the actual zap, Zap is all black, completely black in the thermal. And what that tells us is this is a cold event. Uh, it's not a destructive, it's not an explosion event. The best description I've been able to find for that is intermediate black hole. Um, and essentially, this could be a wormhole um, I found from looking at science. And this is supported by theoretical physics, surprisingly enough. I had no idea at the time that it would be. Um, and so is quantum teleportation. Quantum teleportation has actually been proven by the Chinese. 
So a lot of the technology that we see, although it's so extremely ontologically shocking from looking at these videos, I believe it can be 100% explained by science as we know it. Hmm. Maybe not science as we know it and can and do it right now with the material science that we have, but theoretical science. So, I mean, if that's the case and, you know, not what we can do right now, but theoretical, I mean, clearly somebody has the ability to do this. Hmm. So, I mean, are we looking at something that is a government that's trying to, you know, flex itself? Or are we talking about, you know, anything from that to actual ET? I mean, we we have military over the last several years now coming out, you know, pilots coming out, talking about what they've seen and experienced. But everything's been a trickle, you know? And we have people like David Grush coming out and kind of uh, getting the momentum going on, on the disclosure, maybe more than they're comfortable with. Yeah. So could it be something where, we have maybe a lot of military encounters with these things that are similar to what we see in the video. It's just they weren't ready to disclose it yet, and now it's being disclosed through people like you. It could be. It could be anything, and that's the hard part. We can't really nail down exactly what it is. What I will say about the David Grush interview with Jesse Michaels um, is that there's actually a specific part of it where they talk about this type of technology and wormhole and what the UFOs might do to and why they kind of skip around the sky. Mm. And I thought that that was very interesting because the way David Grush describes it is an accordion that's kind of getting stuck together. And that's how we would think of it as space-time and, and cheating space-time in this way, right? Is either folding space-time or you're making a hole in it. You're separating yourself from space itself and that's allowing you to move from point A to point B instantaneously. Um, so to some degree... It's interesting. I don't know what disclosure and the slow acclimation process and what the intent behind all these people are is. But from what I can see here, assuming these videos are real, is they're hiding a lot of technology. And I don't, I don't think they have any plan on letting people know about this anytime soon. Part of the reason is that I believe they're going to try to divide up the technology amongst the elites who, who owns this. Like who owns superconductivity? Who owns gravity mm -hmm. engines? Who owns fusion power when we replace all fossil fuels, right? These are the types of socioeconomic impact that politicians care about. People like us on the ground floor, we don't care about that crap. We just want to know what the truth is. And that's what my intent is here, is to blow that all up and just skip right past all the disclosure. I respect David Grush, mm -hmm. highly respect him. And I believe everything he's saying is true. Um, but this is a path forward that we can skip past it and we can move it forward much, much faster. Yeah. I mean, because what is caught in this video and what you're releasing and... and so the video has been out publicly for a long time, yep. but the the analyzation that you guys have been done doing has never been done. And so combining the two and releasing it and stuff, it, it is now uh, shattering reality for so many people. I mean, yep. there, there's there's people like me who really go, you know, into the woo woo, and are like, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about it all, yeah. right? Uh, but then there's other people who, you know, think it's all science fiction and it's, it's impossible. Yeah. And when you're releasing a video that's already been out there, but with the analyzation and the research behind it, it really forces people to look at it and be like, oh, so this is real. How do I fit that in my paradigm? And I, I, I wonder, so yeah. on the good side of it, Right, we could we could suggest that maybe the government or whoever is slowly releasing information in that direction because they don't think people can handle it all at one time. Yep. Uh, you fortunately 
can just do whatever you want. Exactly. <laughs> That's the benefit, right? Yeah. Is that we're not beholden to whatever this slow disclosure process is, right? And I agree with you. I think that's it. When you look at this, it's like, yeah, you got to get people used to this, right? And I think that's what's been happening. Like nine years ago, I wouldn't have said, I would have said the same thing. Impossible, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Now in 2023, I have the basis to understand that this isn't just impossible. This is something that could be possible. So I might even have to give them some credit. You know, mm -hmm. maybe that slow disclosure process did get us here. And heck, maybe they even have a plan for this exact scenario. I was right? just thinking, uh, I, I wonder if they've been waiting for somebody to do the the big step forward that doesn't have government behind their name. Mm -hmm. You know, private citizen taking not, that. Not held down by the red tape, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because there's a lot of suspicion behind government people. Absolutely. You know? I, I don't trust the government. Uh, and so... It's the idea that this is a private citizen doing this, mm -hmm. and maybe that was part of the. You're you're a puppet, man. They're playing you like a puppet. <laughs> it could be. Honestly, I've I've gone through the whole psyop psy you know angle ten times over in my mind. I actually asked my own parents if I was in the Truman Show and they were playing some elaborate prank on me because it's at that point it started to make more sense than everything else that was going on. Um, but ultimately, no, I don't think this is a psyop for a couple of reasons. A, I'm not that important. <laughs> um, but also B is that even if you take me out of the equation, let's look at what we're looking at the video here, right? This, the reason why these videos are so compelling is there's no possible excuse for them. If you claim that the government made these videos, to what intent? The only thing that these videos do is implicate them in the loss of MH370. It proves that they saw it and lied about it. And the idea that like, oh, they're going to try to blame space aliens or whatever for it. No one's going to believe that looking at this video. No one would. No one does already. Mm -hmm. So, and not just that. They didn't promote the video either. It's been nine years. When were they going to, you know, do that? And this kind of quickly leads into another point, which I was going to say is that to make these videos, you would have to have classified knowledge of how these videos look and are supposed to look, especially the spy satellite one, which is essentially impossible. Um, so... You know, it really makes it extremely difficult for there to be some type of hoax. It makes it difficult for it to be a psyop. But ultimately, I'll be the one in the front row waiting for the government to tell us, you know, what explanation do you want to go with? And I'm going to rip it to shreds if it's not factual based. Yeah. Uh, do you do you project that happening where you're going to have to sit down before a panel and answer questions? <laughs> Who knows, man? I would say at this point, I anything could happen. Like, I've never expected anything like this to happen in my whole life, I would have said that it's more likely that aliens will come down on their ships on my front lawn and introduce themselves to me personally, rather than something like this happened that I would be at the center of. Mm -hmm. um, so it's so unbelievable that I'm just along for the ride at this point, um, trying to bring attention to it and wherever it leads, it leads. Yeah. Well, I, I, I commend you for that. Um, you want some more? Yeah, keep going. Okay. We'll yeah. get some more, uh, some more stuff here. Let's see. So the, one of the big things people ask is why is this MH370? Right, This is an airplane, it's a 777, but why is it MH370? First of all, it's the only missing 777. MH370 is the only one. We never found a debris field. Now, this is really, really, really important. And this is part of the reason why there were so many conspiracy theories about it. Because if you don't find a debris field for a 777 crashing into the ocean, it just didn't crash into the ocean. There would have been parts, bodies, luggage everywhere, visible from space. We saw the Wagner guy's private jet from a satellite video in space. Um, so this is just simply impossible. That's why uh, Florence Changi thought that somehow it had to be over the South China Sea. This is why Jeff Wise thought it had to have been flown to Russia, right? Because these are smart people that realize there's something really amiss here. And the debris that they did tie to the plane, they've actually only conclusively tied one piece, the flapper on. And that piece was 
to very little people understand this or know this, but the unique serial plate was missing on that piece. The piece that had the unique serial number on it. And it's a plate that was removed. The excuse is that it fell off in the water or something like that. The serial number that they use is a non-unique serial number to match it to the plane. So to me, this throws the idea that this is definitively a piece of MH370 kind of up in the air. Do you feel like it is planted then well, for, for evidence to just get people to move on? For me, it doesn't even need to be planted for the videos to be real, right? So first of all, if what we see in that video is real, that's an energetic enough event that a piece of the plane could have gone flying off of it. If it's teleportation, then that can still just be MH370, right? That they mm. dissembled it and dropped it in the ocean months later or something like that. Um, Jeff Wise thinks that it was planted ineptly. You know, I read his blog about it, and he goes into in-depth analysis about how the flap run would have to be in this exact point underneath the water, rotating exactly in order to get the right barnacle growth on it. It requires a lot of coincidental stuff wow. to happen, basically. Um, so even the independent group highly questions the debris. And again, the official search found none. Most expen expensive and extensive search in history found nothing. The people that found the debris found it washed up on the shore. And a lot of the debris that they claim, the 40 pieces, almost none of it's tied to MH370. So at the end of the day, from a debris standpoint, what we see in the video is actually completely consistent with the story and all the facts that we know surrounding the debris. So that's one of the biggest things. Now, other people will say, well, the ocean's really big. You know, like it could be anywhere. Not really. The official flight path had the plane running out of gas at the long of the seventh arc. We searched all along the seventh arc above and below water. We searched the other arcs in the flight path too, all the way to Nicobar Islands. We searched everywhere. They found no plane, nowhere. So there's nowhere else for it to go. Uh, based on the Immersat pings, that's the only direction by the official narrative that it could have gone. So something is amiss here. Something doesn't quite add up. And saying that the ocean's real big does not solve the problem either. We've already proven that the U.S. has satellites everywhere and they would have been able to see this in the water easily. Is that why you think that we have this video to begin with because the satellites are just everywhere and they're filming all the time? Pretty much. Um, I mean, I think that if you look at it, either it had to be set up because that drone is there too, right? Or it had to be an emergency situation where they're reacting to it. Hmm. And it's really hard to differentiate between one or the other. The satellite's only in that spot for a few minutes. My guess is the satellite's moving and is constantly taking a video, right? So that you can create this 3D battle map that you could go back and pull up the recording and watch whatever you need to watch. It's also controlled by an AI called Sentient that was declassified in 2012, which can operationalize the satellites. Now, I don't know exactly how capable they are, if they can actually change their orbits, slow them down to get better shots or what have you. Um, it seems like it should be impossible, but they do talk about operationalizing them and having a command satellite to make sure that satellites don't run into each other as well. So this sentient program is basically taking all the assets and it's looking around trying to find, oh, is somebody shooting a missile off, whatever, and then point all your assets at that location. Presumably what happened here is that MH370 goes off track and now you have everybody looking at it. Or you're already looking at it because you know exactly the point where we're going to have the rendezvous point and we want to have all the cameras staring at the right spot. Yeah. This is is fascinating because this the whole situation that we're talking about. I I don't. It's like a perfect storm because I remember when it happened, and people who are listening that maybe you were in middle school when it happened or something. I mean, this was a big deal. I mean, it, I everybody was talking about it, it was everybody. so mysterious. We had no idea where this giant plane went to. So many theories. Yep. Uh, people were talking about possibly being a hijacker and it, them landing it on some kind of. Uh, island or even a, a military base not far from the area. We're going to get to that. I, mean, I know we are. <laughs> uh, 
the fantastic, from my perspective, the fantastic part about this is living through that time, you, especially somebody like me, you were living through this sense of something's off. Something doesn't seem right. I know something's not right because nobody seems to have answers. The government doesn't know. Nobody knows. But it seems like there is something that we are missing. There is this other piece. There is this even deeper, more mysterious thing that we weren't seeing that that's happening here. And that's what this video is all about. It's the missing link, right? It's It's the the puzzle piece we didn't have. And it's it's the piece that says, when you look at it and you see it, you're just like, that's what I was feeling in my gut back then. That's the feeling that I was like, there's something we're missing. And that's what it is. It's incredible. It is. So let me throw some more stuff out there. The color tone that we see of the plane matches Malaysian Airlines color tone, which is white on top and gray on the bottom. Mm. So the plane is almost certainly a Malaysian Airlines plane, which really narrows it down even further. Um, The satellite coordinates that we have put it in the path of Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 by the official path. So the official path says it's going to fly out over the Nicobar Islands, and that's where it's going to turn into the South Indian Ocean, right? So this location here where we believe that it is is actually the same location where the official story says it turns into the South Indian Ocean, which to me is quite a big coincidence. Now, um, I think I already mentioned a couple of these. Let me see. Um, One of the other things is that we have the U.S. military quote-unquote, confirms Sibbers provided data to the intelligence community to help solve the mystery of MH370. Now, that makes no sense to me. In what way did the U.S. military use Sibbers, the system I was just talking about that creates the battlefield intelligence, how did they solve MH370? The official search found nothing. So to what and what ends did they do that? I think that somebody should follow up, and I'm not going to name the person who quoted that, but somebody should follow up with the military on that and figure out what exactly do they mean when they said they solved the mystery of MH370, especially now that we've shown with all these satellites they had around there. And even if USA-229 was not the one that somehow took it, despite being in the exact right spot at the exact right time with the exact right payload, it was still staring at MH370. It's going directly over MH370's flight path. So essentially no chance that it did not detect it. Mm-hmm. So we know the U.S. military definitely saw it. Now, not just that. Why did this plane not crash into the ocean? There's even more evidence it didn't crash into the ocean, a ton of it. The SOSIS system, the U- which was recently declassified. This is the one that heard the Navy, uh, the Titan sub pop when they were going to the Titanic. The Navy heard it pop immediately. They lied. They didn't tell anybody for five days while every single national TV station had oxygen counters running on their thing. And then five days later, after we found out it popped, they tell us, oh yeah, we heard that five days ago, the moment it happened, using our SOSA system that detects these types of things. Makes you wonder why they let the whole story go on like that for five days. Uh, And I think it's a really good one to compare to MH370, right? Mm -hmm. Because it shows us what they're willing to do with the information, either not tell us or tell us as appropriate, right? Um, that's not even the only system. There's two other systems that should have also caught it. There's a Jorn system, which is essentially the same equivalent system by Indonesia. That should have also caught it if it ran into it crashed into the ocean. Diego Garcia should have both been able to track it by radar and potentially also be able to detect any type of impact event also. So at least three different locations that should have been able to track any type of impact. Not just that. The family's cell phones were still able to be ringing and proven on Chinese television for up to four days after the event. Okay, so what do you mean by on Chinese television? Were they calling on live TV, the phone yes. numbers? and I'm good, and we're trying to pull the video right now that I can post to Twitter later today because wow. 
that if you look into it, extremely overlooked piece of evidence. The debunks of it seem to be, well, experts say this is possible. Bullshit. I have never called somebody when their phone was off that it rang. Never once in my entire life. And if your phone goes into the seawater, it's not going to last for very long at all. It's actually impossible for those phones to be ringing if they're at the bottom of the ocean. So, and a lot of people pointed this out. You know, there's like, if you go look back at it, that's the interesting part about the whole investigation is that all these puzzle pieces have been out there, right? It's just nobody could take them and put them together in a cohesive, comprehensive story before today. Mm-hmm. But when you do, you start to realize that all of these puzzle pieces actually do make sense and form a cohesive pattern. So that's really interesting is that not just that, but we also found a testimony from somebody who posted back in 2014 and asked for the DSP detection, which is like the explosion detection or whatever. He was given one for a different plane in 1984, but he was ignored for MH370. So they definitely know that something happened. The plane definitely, definitely did not crash into the ocean. There's no evidence that it did. Um, it's also a really large shipping line between Africa and Australia. There was no witnesses. Nobody saw a plane crash. Nobody saw any debris field, bodies, calls for help, anything like that. There's just nothing that indicates the plane went to the South Indian Ocean except for those pings. Now, interestingly enough, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go look at the official ping data. It turns out it's an Excel spreadsheet with a number of tabs on it. And if you go to the SU log tab in there, which seems to be the tab that you know, they're using to determine the, what happened with this plane, the plane takes off at 1630 and all the data from 1630 all the way up to 1840 looks legit. Every single minute has dozens of rows completely filled out. Looks like you would expect a very complicated Excel document to look like. You get to 1840 and it gets very anomalous very quickly. All of a sudden, a lot of the 1839, 1840 data either has null values, zero values going down it, just repeated. And then it gets to 1940, and everything from 1940 to 2345 hours of information is 10 rows. It fits on one half of the Excel spread window that you can just take together. Hmm. Not just that, there appears to be a pattern shift that the channels just shift back and forth between 10 and 4 for all those five hours with only five rows of data. To me, as somebody who's worked with a lot of Excel data and spreadsheets in my day, something is off right there. Now, I don't know if you want to say, okay, that's when it turned into the South Indian Ocean. I would make a simpler argument and say, this is where the plane just disappears off the face of the earth. And then these additional pings are either added in, you know, add 10 rows of Excel data and manipulate it. They're spoofed. Or it's the actual plane, but it's not on the route that they think. For example, if it's teleported somewhere, so we take... Our plane is over here, let's say, and now we're going to teleport it over here. And your satellite's at some point in the middle. If you thought the plane was over here, then you might think it's going down this way. But if the plane is actually over on this side, now the plane might be going down this way. Hmm. The reason why that's important to what you were mentioning before, if we did teleport this plane to hide it or whatever other purpose there might be, where are we bringing it? To a military base, potentially, or somewhere where we're going to you know, hide the people and disassemble the plane, etc.? Turns out there was a sighting in the Maldives, 50 miles north of Diego Garcia, where the plane was so low that the people on the island could make out the windows of the passenger jet. This is extremely close to Diego Garcia. And a lot of the theories early on were that this plane somehow got to Diego Garcia. The problem was none of the data, the data pointed to that, right? You couldn't, you couldn't say, okay, here's the Immersat pings. If, you know, this is, gets us right there. But if you can teleport the plane from the Nicobar Islands, to a different location, now the 
the data might look correct, but it's being misinterpreted. So it's going to be extremely difficult to prove that type of theory. So I've essentially focused on the stuff that we can, which is everything up until the video, mm-hmm. right? And all the evidence that leads up to that. After that and where it goes, you know, I think that you got to leave that open to interpretation based on what you think about narratives. Like if you think this is a non-human intelligence situation, maybe they're sending them to another dimension, another planet. Maybe they're saving them, right? If you think it's an operation, though, then definitely this plane is being teleported to or near Diego Garcia. Um, and, you know, I told you, I, I, I kind of go down the woo thinking sometimes, and you just brought up the other dimension aspect. And just the thought, you know, say that there is, you know, this kind of teleportation into another realm, like I say, a parallel universe that's here on Earth, mm-hmm. uh, which I think... David Grush kind of alluded to in some of his disclosures, the idea that these things are here. I forget how he said it, but I remember when I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, he, what he's talking about, it sounds like, you know, a parallel universe. Is it possible? And this is something that is just a thought out loud. I do not expect you to have an answer to this. Uh, but is it possible that if somebody were to be teleported, transported to another parallel universe that is here, just a different dimension that's here. Could their phone still ring? That's a good question. And we're going to talk probably a little bit more about that when we uh, maybe look at some of the pictures of the people on Diego Garcia that look very similar to some of the crew on board the plane. Um, Because one part about that I wonder is like, okay, if you teleport someone, will it teleport them to another dimension? Will the same person even come back? You know, what if it's like a you know, bizarro version of yourself, have for you example, seen, right? Have you seen the TV show Manifest? No, I haven't. Everybody asks me that, though. Is that, is that I, what I happens in Manifest? It, I didn't think about it until just now. <laughs> Does it? Because that would be it, funny it if that actually happens. The very Manifest. first episode, it's yeah. about this plane of people, and they set up the narrative of people's lives, and you see everybody's different mm-hmm. lives. Everybody, you know, just got the phone with my wife, I'm mad, and this lady over here, she's dealing yeah. with her kid. But they, they just, they hit like a thunderstorm or something, and they're just, gone. It's gone. Yeah. And then I think it was like a year or two later, it they just back. reappears and they, they start rolling out this idea that when these people came back, they're different. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they look like they're the same person, but they have these different abilities. Mm-hmm. And it starts coming out to this idea that it's like, hmm. it, they're not the same people. Wow. And um, Predictive programming, huh? I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I, I wonder when that, 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 that was uh, put out, Weird. that show. I just remember binging it on Netflix. I should probably go revisit it now. Yeah, I may have to check it out now that you said that. I didn't know about that particular detail. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about the flight path real quick. Okay. Because I think this is really interesting. Um, so with respect to the flight path, the first thing that's interesting that happens is 30 minutes before takeoff, the plane stops connecting to one of the two satellites it's within range of. So it's within range of an IOR satellite, which is to the west, kind of over the Indian Ocean, and a POR satellite, which is over Southeast Asia. Now, the reason why this is important is that if you have two different pings, you can use the Doppler effect or you can triangulate whatever. I'm probably saying the wrong thing, but you can tell kind of where the plane is based on those different pings from the different satellites and the relative distance. You can triangulate the position, I think is the right way to point to say it. So it, the fact that it stops pinging to one of them 30 minutes before takeoff kind of shows that there might be some intent, uh, operational intent to make the plane dark, right? Or, or harder to find. Um, this was tried to explain to me by Victor of the independent group as the plane being blocked by a building. Now, I've flown enough planes to know that that's nonsense. I've never been in a plane that the plane was blocked by a building from a satellite view before. Not to mention, once the plane starts to go to take off, it's perfectly going to be in view. So 
It makes no sense that it doesn't ping back to this POR satellite, especially because that happened 30 minutes before takeoff. Plane takes off at 1630 UTC, and it's flying northeast towards Beijing for about 45, 50 minutes. At, during this point, it never once pings back to POR, despite that it's going towards POR and away from IOR. Um, it actually never pings POR for the rest of the flight. So this is one of the things that makes it harder to track. And this is where we had to figure out, okay, is it going north or is it going south along the arc? Because all we know is the distance from the satellite. We don't have any other information about exactly which way it went. Now, at 1719, that's when the pilot or co-pilot says, good night, Malaysian Airlines, flight 370. And that's the last communication we get from the plane. 64 seconds later, 1721 UTC, the entire plane goes dark. It drops off of primary radar, and it can only be seen by secondary radar from Malaysia. The official narrative says that this is the part where the pilot somehow does this. Uh, from the investigation that I've done and reading and listening to Jeff Wise, uh, who did a podcast just the other day about this, completely impossible. Um, they would have to take out multiple electronic systems to be able to do this. It's not even clear if the pilot would have the, cap the technical know-how to even be able to do that. They can turn off the transponder. But the way these ELT transponders work is those are not the things that are tracking the plane. Those go off when the plane's going to crash. Surprisingly enough, none of the four redundant transponders went off on this plane either, which is another indication that it didn't crash into the South Indian Ocean. But with respect to the pilot turning it dark, there's almost no way that could be possible. More likely, we're dealing with some type of electromagnetic uh, interference event. So either a few scenarios. Uh, let's start with the, the most woo, a UFO encounter scenario that causes an electromagnetic interference effect that, allow, that jams the plane but doesn't take out the engines. Um, and this could explain the weird radar, the altitude changes that Malaysia um, reports seeing that the plane can't technically do. It's because it's being jammed. It could have been jammed by a device that uh, you know somebody who's hijacking the plane had on board the plane. It could be operatives on the plane that were working with or against the pilot to make the plane go dark as well. And lastly, it could also be AWACS, which are the American like radar planes that we have that can actually jam planes. And one of the earlier conspiracies was that they use these AWACS to actually control the plane and, and take it over, hack it. This was dismissed as being not possible. But right now I'm in the camp where I'm not sure if it is possible or not possible, especially when I'm dealing with looking at black holes. So I feel like if we can make black holes, we can probably pretty easily remote <laughs> hack an airplane. I think it's a safe bet. <laughs> yeah. So, so this event happens, right? So no matter what you think here of this event, the next thing that happens is the plane turns around and goes directly to Penang Langkawi International Airport, which is the closest airport that can accommodate a 777 in an emergency situation. Keep in mind that Malaysia is not a first world country. And it's also like two in the morning or something like that. By the time this plane gets across Malaysia and gets to Penang, so the airport's not even technically open for commercial traffic at that point. It could probably take it in an emergency situation, but is it safe to land if you can't communicate or whatever? Not entirely sure. Whatever reason, the plane doesn't land there. The co-pilot's cell phone pings down the base down below when they get over the, the base there, which leads us to think that they were trying to make contact in some way. We don't have proof, but that seems to be what it indicates. And this is one of the last kind of pieces of direct evidence that we have for intent on board this plane. After it gets over Penang, it flies out to the Straits of Malacca. And the last radar location is at 1822, 
So around 1800, it's at Penang. 1822, it's off in the water now, and it just gets out of range of uh, Malaysian radar. At 1825, the computer systems come back on in the, in, the, in the plane, which is pretty odd to me. It's like, oh, you just got out of radar range, and now the computer systems turn back on. And this is the part where it's pretty close now to the Nicobar Islands. You know, we got another 15 minutes, and now we're going to be at the Nicobar Islands location. So we believe that it flew from the last radar location to our Nicobar Islands location. This is consistent with the official flight path is as well. And this is where our witness comes into play. I had no idea that there would be a witness that is this credible, yeah. that literally saw the plane fly right over her. She was in the spot going from India to Phuket in Thailand. She was right in the Strait of Malacca, and she sees a uniform orange glowing plane coming from the east, right where our plane will be coming, flies up and north around her, doing a counterclockwise rotation, just like we see in the videos. She says that it seems so low that she was afraid it was going to crash into the water. Just like, remember, we're looking at the videos, the, the plane is low, it's descending, and it's turning. She also says that she sees black smoke coming from the plane. Keep in mind, it's pitch black. The moon is set. The sun is set. There is no light whatsoever. So she's seeing a uniform orange glowing plane. She doesn't mention anything about orbs, uh, just seeing this plane, which is interesting because our cameras are filming in infrared. So we've actually wondered for several weeks, are these orbs even visible to the human eye, the naked human eye? And I'm fairly confident now that they are not. Um, but that is something that we kind of want to solidify in my, and find out because you know, that can have huge implications on UFOlogy and, mm -hmm. you know, any other supernatural stuff, right? Um, and that could lend credence to the idea of ghosts and whatever other stuff as well. So the witness sees the plane. She gets freaked out by what she sees. She's afraid to report it. Not sure if she even should. She's not even sure if she saw what she saw, which is so odd to me because if I see MH370 and I see it fly to the South Indian Ocean... I'm about to be famous. I'm about to be super excited, right? I'm going to help solve this mystery. But her reaction was more of, how do I explain what I saw? And how do I explain it with these experts who are telling me that it went to the South Indian Ocean? So I think that there's more to the story with our witness. And I want to report something for the first time here on your show, which is that we have made contact with the witness. Uh, Kate T., has agreed to work with MH370X to help solve the mystery for us. And this is extremely exciting news for us because she may be a firsthand witness that saw this plane disappear out of thin air. And if so, she can corroborate the events of the video and all of our facts to date. Mm -hmm. I, and I've, I've been privy to see some of the communication between you and her. And um, I, I don't know if you said it like this, but it, it was generally, you were like, I know you saw the plane disappear. <laughs> Let's talk, you know. And and so, but I think it's good the way you the way you addressed her. I think is good because you ripped the bandaid off. Mm -hmm. You know, listen, I don't want you feeling you're crazy. We're we're investigating this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to be like, you don't have to hear us say we'll believe you because you've seen the video. You know the angle yeah. we're going with. And there's a reason why you're here. Mm -hmm. She didn't have to reveal herself to you. Right. There's no need for it, especially if she's been in hiding. And what you're doing is so far off of what she saw that she would never come out and talk to you about it because you're wrong. It's not what she saw. The fact is she took it on her own volition to respond to you and make contact and exchange emails. Yeah. So to me, 
without her, because this just happened this morning yeah. and uh, you were already here in Tennessee. <laughs> and uh, to me, it says that you're on the right track. Yeah. She's concurring that just by um, communicating with you. And I, I really hope she communicates in detail with you yeah. what she saw. Because it, as far as we know, she's what? The only human witness to, to the event. Absolutely. And she can probably corroborate a lot of the stuff we've seen, maybe even explain some of the stuff that we're not sure about. Um, and I think that that will go an extremely long way. And it's going to be very compelling. Now, mm -hmm. if she told somebody beforehand, before this, that she saw the plane disappear, then we have absolute proof, right? And if she was just too afraid to do so, well, it's still extremely credible evidence. Um, but, you know, either way, this is going to add a lot of weight and a lot of credibility to the investigation. How do you know she is the one you've been looking for? Like, she's a witness to the event. How can you confirm that she's not just somebody who saw the Reddit thread, saw Twitter, and is like, ha, ah, let me play games with these guys because I'm bored? No, I'm 100% sure. We found her on Twitter right away. Um, she has followed me as of today as well. That was kind of the first indication that mm -hmm. this is really her. Um, I had sent her a couple of messages, uh, kind of like you said, respectfully, you know, being like, hey, you know, don't let this blow your mind when you see it here, but we are, you know, investigating this and we want your input. Um, and then we also reached out to her on the side. We found another contact information for her. So yeah, we're 100% sure that we are talking to the right person at this point. And did she, was her story well known? Like, how did you know that you're, did, how did you know to even look for her? That's the crazy part. I, I mean, I had known there was witnesses, right? Like at least six witnesses of various degrees. And I found most of them to not be credible. When we realized that the southern location in the South Indian Ocean was incorrect, what we were able to do is we were able to look at the satellite, the shift in the satellite coordinates, and we were able to realize that there's only one possible capability. The plane has to be flying south and to the east. And what this means is that it cannot be the southern location. It just doesn't fit with the flight path, and it didn't fit with what we were seeing in the movement. If there was a negative sign, this plane would have to be going north into the east. Now, what we see in both videos is the plane is turning left. So if you are going north and you turn left, you're going northwest. If you're going south and you turn left, you're going southeast. Since we know from the coordinates, the plane is going in south, or the video is actually moving south into the east, regardless of what we see, that's just from the coordinate shifts. We know that this has to be the northern location, the Nicobar Islands. The plane is going south into the east in our video. So once we realized that, the whole investigation changed. We realized this southeast Indian Ocean where we could find no evidence for anything happening down there was just bunk. And everything started to line up at this Nicobar Islands location. I started looking for witnesses, found KT right away, found that she had multiple blogs where she talked about it, and a forum. Everything is well, well documented. Um, and so even without her involvement, the amount of evidence that she was able to provide to corroborate the events is significant. Hmm. But with her involvement, now we have a direct witness who might be willing to testify and really just nail this thing down. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. And I never expected any of this. Like when we found the northern location, I never expected we'd find that. We also found an intercepted SOS call that was only reported in Chinese Times and newspapers that claims that the Chinese intercepted a message from a Taiwan Intel facility at 2.43 a.m., which if you convert that to Malaysian time is 18.43, which is right around our time we're talking about, that claims to be from Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 that said they were having an emergency event the plane was disintegrating and that they were going to attempt an emergency landing in the water. And I just go, wow. I mean, even if that's not somehow true, it happens to line up with the KT's witness testimony almost perfectly.
And it also adds another element, which is, do we really think that there was no communication from the pilot? That, that, would have, that part does have to be manual. They're, unless they're, you know, that the jamming can somehow take out the communications, but otherwise it just has to be the pilots just not communicating with anybody. Or here's another option. Maybe they were communicating, but it's just simply been censored, right? They were communicating with the U.S. government. It's considered classified intelligence, and therefore it was never leaked, right? So I think that's a plausible possibility as well. Man. Yeah. I wonder, I, I'm just sitting here wondering what the <laughs> purpose of all this was. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not just a, a minor event. I mean, there were, I, I, how many people were on this flight? 239 if, or something around there, 229. Okay. Like that. So just say 229. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. Two, 229 individuals yeah. that go missing. So like, th- that's, th- this is not a small event. Th- this mm-hmm. is something that, you know, impacts hundreds of people directly yep. that you know are going to be talking about it. So was this something that was accidentally done? Was it done on purpose? Like, it, there's just so many questions in my mind. Like, it, it, if we want to say that this was done uh, terrestrial, you know, like you can go down the ET route where, you know, it was out of our control and we're just trying to cover it up because we don't want to tell people that aliens exist. Yeah. But if like we're going down the terrestrial route of, you know, this is technology that is secret technology, why? Why, what, yeah. why did this happen? And it, it's just... It's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I think the big question that we talk about in a lot of my spaces is, if you have this kind of technology, why are you doing this? Right? Isn't there an easier way? It doesn't have as much risk, right? But maybe that comes back to the government side of it, too. Government does a lot of stupid stuff, right? That doesn't really well thought out. So it's like, you know, maybe in their minds, they were thinking, hey, we're going to record this with two things, two cameras for intelligence purposes. And they were short-sighted enough to think that nobody would ever leak this because... Man, if you're some 20-something person who's been lied to your whole life, right, and you believe everything the media tells you, and then you see this, and you know that this is going to change the world, I could see that being motivation enough to think that I'm going to go ahead and leak this and and change the world, kind of like I'm doing right now with Mm -hmm. making it popular, right? You know, I I can also say that, you know, the the regimented uh, training, I guess, that you go through in the military, uh, you you can call it brainwashing, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like... so if you're a soldier, you're you go through boot camp, you go through all this training where uh, maybe the government feels so strong and comfortable, and and that their that their training takes hold in people that they don't really worry a whole lot about somebody being a dissident, you know. Yeah. And and if you're somebody who's say 20 years old, you're two years in the military, and you've just been disenfranchised because everything mm-hmm. you thought you believed in is just out the window. And you're just keeping it quiet. And all of a sudden, here's your opportunity to be like, you know what? This is my big middle finger to the people who lied to me my whole life. That's, I mean, to me, that's the most plausible scenario for everything. And I think you actually open up to another idea, which is that there's a lot of people that know about this that are just keeping it quiet somehow because of perhaps that military oath, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe in their minds, they rationalize that, oh, I'm one of the elite few that knows the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody else is going to get to know that truth. Versus other people would say, I don't want to be the only one that knows this. Humanity should know this information, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what my view is. And I might even let this go because looking at this, man, the implications of this are intense, right? But I won't because what we're looking at here is MH370 and that needs to be accounted for. So if they hadn't had all the orbs and stuff, I think that nobody would have any problem with this video if there was no orbs and por- vortex, right? Everyone sure. would have no problem with any of these videos. No one would be saying anything about how they're fake, Right. right? That's the part that throws people off, that people 
have a hard time believing because it comes with a lot of excess baggage. And then we just talked about what that baggage is, is that we've been getting lied to by people that we trust, media people that we trust our entire lives about topics that they want to influence us on, whether it be Malaysian Airlines 370 or any other topic that they find that they want to control people on, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's where, you know, we're going to break down some of those myths here in addition to the debris one that we already broke down. We'll also break down the pilot suicide myth here and you'll begin to see how easy it is for the media to lie with partial truths. Um, And what I would tell people with respect to these videos is we know these videos are true now. We have enough evidence for it. My game plan is let's watch and see who lies about them. Let's watch and see what they say. Mm-hmm. Let's sit in waiting and just ha- let them say whatever they want to say about it. And then we will release our trap and see, you know, how it all plays out. Yeah. Because I mean, this could be our chance to break down that whole disinformation campaign. Absolutely. I mean, like you have all the cards, you have all the information. Uh, before you go into mm-hmm. that uh, line of thinking that you were talking sure. about, uh, breaking down the myths and stuff, I do want to ask you this because it keeps going in my head before I forget again. Yeah. Um, do we know, was there anybody important on that plane that might be such a, an emergency situation that like, all right, pull out the, the secret weapon. We need to get this plane disappeared because this person on this plane is going here to do something that we just can't let happen. Yeah. I think there's two kind of conspiracy theories along that line. One is the patents. There was a nanotech patent, I believe that four of the five holders were on the plane and then it's going to revert to the, I think it ends up reverting to like Freescale itself. I can't remember. And then that ends up being owned by the Rothschild. So there's one idea there that it could be about money and control of the company, which I actually has, gets a little bit more credence because yesterday I was on a podcast talking to somebody who worked at the company when this happened at mm. Freescale super Semiconductors. And he said it was a big deal about how all these top guys you know, disappeared and they ended up selling the company right after that too which is pretty odd. But the bigger thing is those people that disappeared. There was 20 semiconductor scientists that were from that Freescale semiconductor company that were on board this plane. And if you think about the, what we're seeing in totality here and what the motive for this might be, you know, one of the only possible motives, because I, I don't think that money is a big enough motive to, for this type of risk, is intellectual property. So what if, now that we know about LK99 and that we're on the precipice of superconductivity discovery now, what if it had already been discovered more than 10 years ago? And what if what we're seeing here is a shadow war between U.S. and China for control of the very technology that we see in use in the, in the videos? And the reason why that's so compelling is that whoever controls this type of technology simply controls the entire world and has military supremacy over the world. One funny example that I like to give that uh, somebody on a space mentioned is warp nukes. So just take everything, every other technology out. Just what we see is teleportation or warps. If you could warp a nuke onto somebody, you have absolute control over you know yeah. them entirely, right? And so we don't even need any more advanced technology. Just being able to warp something already gives you full control, right? But to me, I think that's the thing. And the, really then the question is, how far advanced is the military beyond the public's knowledge? I think a lot of people argue they're like a generation ahead. Yeah. And if that's true, then this makes a lot of sense that this could be actually our technology. I was thinking this is thousands of years more advanced, but the more I dug into it, the more I grounded it in the science, I don't think it's thousands of years more advanced anymore. Now I think it's just decades more advanced. I, uh, I always bring this up when this kind of stuff comes up on the show. Uh, this was years ago when I was still a truck driver. I did a delivery to a casket place and the guy who owned it 
uh, was an engineer in our military back in the 60s. Yeah. And he said the, the NV that we have today that we're using, mm-hmm. he said they were developing that in the 60s. Exactly. And so it's just that example of, you know, we have always been the last ones to know about the technology, the tablets. You know, there's another guy that I'm working on getting on the show who uh, has seen human and weapons smuggling involving UFOs. Oh. He's a former military. And uh, it, it's just, it's just really. There's a lot of tech out there that they're hiding, right? There's and tons. Using. There's tons. And he, and he said that, you know, they were using, ta- when, when this happened, the people he witnessed doing this, they were using technology, the tablets and stuff that were not in existence yet. And so it's just, it, it just makes sense that they're, they're going to have the best of the best always. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a stretch of my imagination at all. Yeah. So let's talk real quick about the pilot suicide myth. Okay. Um, because I think that's pr- one of the easier ones to break down, which is that everybody stands up for pilot Zahari, his wife, the officials, everybody he uh, worked with as a pilot. He had 18,000 hours and he was also a trainer. Everybody he trained loved him. There's no indication of suicidal intent anywhere throughout the flight path. I mean, if you're going to crash a plane, you're just going to crash a plane. He would have crashed in the South China Sea right away, right? Um, from what we saw with UA-93 on 9-11, if someone was going to you know, try to take over the plane and people fight back, that plane's going to crash pretty much immediately as well. Um, he had a huge custom simulator. Like, he made his own giant simulator. Dude loved flying and loved video games, at least flying simulator video games. Um, one of the things that was used against him was this route that they claimed was similar to the route that the Southeast Indian Ocean. Well, first of all, I don't think the South Indian Ocean thing even happened. So that kind of throws that part out. But even if it did, for example, the route that they claim is similar is actually looks like it's a route MH-150 to Jeddah that goes from Kuala Lumpur to the Northwest, like over the Straits of Malacca. Mm-hmm. And then theoretically what happens is maybe he got bored halfway and just decided I'm going to the South, you know, the middle of the Antarctica or whatever, South Pole or something like that. Not really sure exactly what he decided there, but they really reframe some of the, the, the FBI's findings on his simulator data to make it seem like this was some type of planned route. But when you dig into it and look at it, it looks more of just like he was already planning to fly that MH-150 route on February 4th, 2014. And I believe I read that that got switched so that he was flying MH-370 instead. So there's a very plausible reason for why that route might be in there. What there isn't a very plausible reason for is why he had Diego Garcia in his sim. That is a uh, airport that's not open to commercial. So maybe he just wanted to have some fun and land in a place virtually that he wouldn't be able to land in real life. But given the situation that we're going to talk about in a little bit, it's a little odd that he had that in his simulator, especially considering that is the number one suspected location in an espionage scenario for where this plane went. Um, in addition to that, um, I already mentioned that it's impossible to disconnect all four electronic generators and the APU simultaneously within 64 seconds, which is all the time frame between that last communication and when the plane went dark. So the idea that this was one person that pulled this off and made the plane go dark, just impossible. Now, maybe the pilot was involved. I don't want to vilify him that way, but it couldn't have done it by himself. Um, the other things is, the one of the things I find most ridiculous is the idea that he flew over Penang to say goodbye to his hometown. That's just an absolute fiction. That's just total, total nonsense. He's flying to Penang either because it's an emergency situation or he's using it as a waypoint so you can like figure out where you're going when you're in the sky. He's definitely not flying over Penang in a suicide scenario to say, oh, I miss my old town <laughs> while 200 passengers are potentially trying to crash the door down behind him, right? 
Um, but that's another piece too. Like this idea that, okay, well, he depressurized the plane. First of all, I still haven't, no one's explained to me how the pilot can depressurize the plane. Um, and even if they did, I talked to some pilots, it would be a very slow process. It's not going to just knock everybody out instantaneously. The oxygen is not going to stop. In fact, the masks are going to drop down. Now, I don't know if those masks actually work. I hope to never have to find out. But let's just presume that they do and those masks work. If they do, there's no way this pilot's going to be able to keep control of the plane with 200 passengers coming to knock it down. If it's me on board that plane, I'm getting that door down pretty damn quick, no matter how strong they think it is. Um, and then any emergency scenario that might happen, like what happened at 1721, this, if there's a fire depressurization, this plane is not lasting seven hours to fly through the South Indian Ocean. So it really eliminates this idea that this plane was on some joyride where the pilot had knocked everybody out and decided, I'm just going to fly this till it runs out of gas and then slowly land it somewhere where it leaves no debris. There's just no evidence for it whatsoever. Um, so given all of that and probably other stuff that I haven't even reported on here, it makes essentially no sense that the pilot would have suicided this plane in any way. And people want to equate him to some Islamic terrorist. He was not. You know, that's just racism, frankly. Uh, and I think that one of the big things, too, is that when we think about hijacking scenarios, especially Americans, we always think about 9-11, mm -hmm. right? And we think that it's people with box cutters and taking over a plane. But we never really think about what would an espionage hijacking situation look like, one that's really planned out, right? And that's where I think, if you think about that, the MH370 scenario starts to make a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd never really heard the idea that the pilot was on a suicide mission. Mm -hmm. um, but judging by what you shared here, it doesn't seem like that would be the case. Um, a couple of the pieces that I didn't really mention about the debris. I think I addressed some of the main points with the flap around not having that unique serial number, but there was actually a, a, a plane that's a Mark 9M MRK that was scrapped in 2013, bought by GA Telesis, mm -hmm. scrapped like 20 years before it should have been scrapped. There's an exact copy of 9M MRO, which is flight MH370. So there is definitely the capability where parts from a different identical plane were put into the water to match our plane. Um, I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened, just saying that it certainly is possible. Um, as I said, the tiny amount of debris that we have found isn't inconsistent with our events. And then if we do get the teleportation being a thing, then you know the debris isn't a problem at all anymore with respect to that. Yeah. Now, I wanted to talk about some other pertinent information. I think I may have talked a little bit about this, but there were two fake passengers that were on board the plane that were Iranian nationals that were using fake passports, stolen passports, that they had changed their appearance. They were traveling together. They had spent what seems to be tens of thousands of dollars for the passports and the tickets um, to fly from, from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. The story behind these guys is that they were supposedly refugees that were trying to get to Amsterdam. Now, this story doesn't make a lot of sense to me because you're in Kuala Lumpur and there's a direct flight to Amsterdam from Kuala Lumpur. And you're using a fake passport where you've changed your identity and you have to go through customs and security. And every single time you do, you have a chance of getting caught. Why are you flying to Beijing to another country should I get to Amsterdam? Makes no sense whatsoever. I don't believe that it could even possibly be the cheapest route, which is like one idea I've heard floated out there. To me, in any hijacking scenario, these people should have been the number one suspects and not been dismissed like they were within like two days. There was actually uh, an article where you can find it where the real person with their real passport was there with, you know, on TV with the news showing his passport going, I wasn't on that plane mm -hmm. to prove that there these people were really on the plane with his fake passport. 
There was also a third person who bypassed security in a green jacket who theoretically could have been on the plane as well, but there's no confirmation or proof of that. Keep in mind, this plane is mostly filled with Chinese nationals. Probably like 70% of the people are Chinese. Um, and, and not just Chinese, but Chinese nationals. Um, about 20% of them are Malaysian. About 11 were Indonesian. And then there was a few Australians that were probably of Chinese descent as well, as many Australians are. And then in terms of Western people, just a handful, more than likely. So if in a future scenario, you have to you know, quiet a bunch of people out, you really only have to deal with a couple of nations and then a few individuals that are in West that could be a risk to you in Western media. I just want to point that out. Um, I already talked about the Trump leak uh, as well, but I think that's a really important one to look at. And I would strongly suggest that people go look at that leak because you can see how a lot of the similarities to our satellite footage. The big difference is in the Trump leak, there's a huge shadow. So you can like use basically it's a you know, a sundial essentially, and you can figure out exactly the time of the day based on that and where it was, which made it very easy for the people who were deducing that to figure out the satellite that made it. For us, we have no shadows in our videos. We don't even have any identifiable landmarks. So we had to reverse, uh, reverse kind of figure out what the situation was in a much more difficult way than they did for that um, satellite. Now, um, teleportation real quick. So people may wonder, why is this teleportation? And before I talk about that, I just want to point out that there was actually a, a pre-debunk that's already out there uh, that says, you know, th why is this not teleportation or whatever that happened to MH370, which is crazy to me because I didn't know anybody who was suggesting the plane had been teleported, not even myself, until a couple of weeks ago. And then I saw that debunk even like when I was starting this and I'm like, that is very odd. Like, who's even suggesting that? Now I am suggesting it. And the reason is, A, the plane disappears from space-time entirely, as we see. If this was some type of cloaking technology, even if they were able to cloak all of the electromagnetic signatures, that exhaust that we see behind the plane would still show up. We would just see the exhaust moving forward, which we don't. So it can't be some type of advanced cloaking, spoofing, thing like that. We thought through that. I initially thought it was an annihilation event, deatomization, you know, however you want to call it, vaporization. The problem with vaporization is there's no vapor left behind. You know, if people vape, you see the vape come out. So there's none of that. Mm -hmm. It's just gone. So the problem with it being deatomized is that E equals MC squared. One of the most basic concepts from uh, physics and Einstein. And essentially what that means is that every bit of matter has a ton of potential energy within it. The speed of light squared times that mass. So that means even something that's small, like uh, this cup or this water bottle, has the potential to have a huge explosive event. And this is how we have atomic bombs, nuclear bombs. Um, so if the plane had been turned into a nuclear bomb, deatomized, destroyed, the explosion would have been much more significant. It would have blown up part of the planet. The energy has to go somewhere is the way that it needs to be described. So if you rule out those two scenarios, you're only left with one other possibility. The plane was teleported somewhere else in space-time. And whether or not it was quantum teleported, or teleported through a wormhole, you know, I think that's where, you know, who's the expert on hyper-advanced science that nobody has actually seen in practice, right? Like, yeah. it's hard to say. But to the point, that's why we have people of different, people are following me from all different areas. I've got people in UFOlogy, conspiracy, and academics all looking at this. And all of them are having the ontological shock and having their minds broken about it. Because what does this mean with respect to my beliefs in terms of my sphere? Yeah. For the scientists, it's, 
we can look at this. We can reverse engineer this. We can explain this. You know, for the UFOologists, it's okay, what does this mean with respect to UFOs? Does this mean that these are non-human intelligence or that we've been reverse engineering them? And then with respect to conspiracies, this means that, I mean, you're looking at complete and total destruction and trust of all world governments. Mm-hmm. I mean, who can going to trust anybody after this type of cover-up, which can be verified? Yeah. So pretty scary stuff that we're dealing with right here. But essentially, one other thing I want to point out that you mentioned manifest. I don't believe you can travel back in time based on physics. Um, the reason is that it, break, it would break causality if you did that, right? So the only way you could really travel back in time to me would be if you went to a different dimension where you have different events happening. Because otherwise you can't change the course of history. But you can travel forward in time as we've seen from interstellar and time dilation, which is a real thing that that has been really measured. And the idea behind it is, if I were to boil it down simply, the faster that you travel closer to the speed of light, the more everything slows down for you relative to everything else around you. And that essentially means that time slows down for you, but it's going fast for everyone else. So what that can cause is that you show up then in the future, right? And I don't know exactly how that equation works, but my guess is it's probably proportionate to the distance that you travel. So if you're traveling a very slow, like very minor distance, then I'm guessing the time dilation effect is very small. But if you're going across the universe, then presumably you're going to show up 50,000 years in the advance, in the future, whatever, right? And everybody you would have ever known is gone. That's how relativity, relativity seems to work in actuality. So the plane could have shown up theoretically in the future. And I think that's a really fun idea. I don't necessarily think it's going to show up nine to 10 years in the future, but it could have shown up like five minutes in the future, an hour in the future. Those are the kind of scientific concepts I would like to know a lot more about because I think they could explain all of what we see. Can you imagine though? I mean, like you said, <laughs> nine, 10 years, but can you imagine, just okay. just play the imagine game with yeah. me. Like you're, you're breaking this information, right? And mm-hmm. you're, you're sharing this. Imagine a year from now, six months from now, a few weeks from now, all of a sudden the plane reappears where it disappeared. And they're like, yeah, we did a lot of this. There, there's just trust us. It was crazy. There's a lot of stuff going on, but we came over here. I mean, nuts. If it did reappear though, let's just say uh, whether it was five minutes or 20 years, um, would it have to reappear at the same place? That's the hard part too. So we've been actually trying to figure that out. And like you can see from the video, it's turning and landing. So one of our first assumptions is, is the orientation of the plane matter? Is that going to determine somehow the direction of travel? And it might not even go forwards. It might go backwards from that location too. Mm. Honestly, we are just speculating. We have no idea. But there has to be some way to determine where it's going, when it's going, when it's going to show up, right? Right now, it's all just essentially speculative, which is fun. It's fun to think about. But yeah, with no way to know for sure. In in the video, uh, after the plane disappears, were the were the orbs gone as well? Yeah, the orbs disappear as well. And I feel really stupid on the first podcast I mentioned. I said that when you go through a door, does the doorway disappear? And you know, they thought, well, okay, yeah, okay, sure, you got me on that. But really, is that necessary? Right? If the orbs are somehow acting as either inducing the portal or potentially as a barrier, right? It would make sense for them to disappear uh, if it's being teleportation. Actually, that's the thing I wanted to talk about next, which is the science behind this, right? So I thought that wormholes and teleportation were just a thing of science fiction. And then I went and Googled it and I found that there were actually a number of uh, articles, uh, not articles, but scientific uh, papers talking about humanly traversable wormholes. 
And that's why I wrote a piece called Traversable Wormholes, because all three papers essentially said you don't need exotic material to create a wormhole. We always thought you would need antimatter, which is something that we couldn't create and may not. I mean, we believe that it's real, but we don't have it physically available to us um, right now. So the first, the paper said you don't need that. Then the paper says you can potentially hold a wormhole open long enough for a human to be able to traverse through it, and the gravitational force that they feel would not kill them, which is very interesting. It might be strong, you might feel a jerk, but it's not going to kill you, right? It's not going to smash you to bits. The third paper says you might be able to create a shell, a very thin shell, not necessarily matter, but like an energy shell or some type of shell around the object that you want to allow it to humanely traverse through the wormhole. And that's the part where I went, oh, wow. Okay, what are we talking about with these orbs? Because now these orbs can be doing several things. They could be entangling the plane for quantum teleportation. They could be removing excess particles from the area around the plane that they are going to like potentially interfere. Because one of the, the papers says that you can't have excess particles fall into the black hole that you're creating. Otherwise, it could basically destabilize it. So it could be possible that they're cleaning that, or it could also be possible they're doing those things and inducing the black hole itself for the portal effect. Again, this is all really out there and we're just kind of assuming, but a lot of these papers corroborate what we're seeing here as being potentially real. And it's on such a big level too. I mean, when those papers were written, I imagine they weren't writing it with, you know, a big enough hole that a plane would fly through. Yeah. You know? And the question is, why a plane, right? And I wonder, okay, well, maybe they chose the plane because the plane's in the sky, and therefore it's easier to not have all these unwanted particles. You don't have the ground. You don't have water that you have to teleport, right? So maybe that's a factor as well. Now, again, how do we know? But, Hard to tell. But even if it was, you know, it's why that plane? Yeah. There's, there's tons of planes that they could have done this to, you know, that had less implications that they might have even been able to hide. Unless they didn't want to hide it and they wanted to introduce it like this. And again, that goes back to the idea that, you know, we're playing right in their hands by exposing this information because yeah. whatever. But I mean, it, there's, if you're, if you're experimenting with this, I mean, you could have done it with a Cessna, something much smaller. That's why I don't think that this is an experiment. That's why I think this is an operation. Mm-hmm. This has been planned. They've tried this out. They knew this would work and they're coming at this with specific intent, Right. But that's, that's a good point. And that's why I wondered, like, that second plane that was purchased, maybe they used that as a practice run, mm. right? Because it's an exact copy of MH370. If you need to have the physics work, that's the type of plane you would use for a test run, right? To see it to... Whatever happened to that plane? We have no idea. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about where it went and how it got dismantled, and nobody really knows exactly. So... You would think there'd be pretty work on that. I think that might be something that people will figure out here as this unravels, and... That's why this case is so big and why I want to reach national attention is there's so many lies around this that everything is going to unravel the moment people start to look into it. Yeah. Um, and that's the reality of it. Um, one other thing on the wormhole is that I found a patent for a magnetic vortex wormhole generator, an actual patent that basically describes what we see. The only difference being that it doesn't talk about having three orbs, but three orbs might be the absolute minimum you need to create a two-dimensional plane, right? A portal. You need three points. If you have two points, then you just have a line. Mm-hmm. With three points, then you have you can create a triangle that can cover it. And when they converge together, it makes me wonder if they're creating the singularity by taking their magnetic forces and punching them together super fast. Like if you would take two magnets that are you know opposite of one another, jam them together really fast and create a very strong effect. 
It makes me wonder if there's something like that going on in this. And there was some science that I read that's a little bit far beyond me that seemed to indicate that that might be why those orbs are kind of closing in at the last second right there. Wow. Yeah. So it seems seems like these orbs are definitely crucial to what's going on here. If we're going with this, Mm -hmm. this idea that we're talking about, I mean, I'm sure there's people that are 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 married to other ideas like maybe you know it's aliens and yeah and then all of a sudden you, there's a whole other reason and how everything works like all of a sudden those aren't orbs to help generate something as much as you know these things were just guiding into you know this other plane of existence naturally um but it mm-hmm. to me the way i'm thinking about this just my own personal opinion it feels very um planned and it, it feels like it's something that uh is terrestrial to me, yeah, and uh, and with the information that we've we've had given to us over the last let's say fifteen years, it, it for me it doesn't surprise me when you have um, I forget I think it was Edward Monet, I think that's who it was who was talking about um, have us actually dabbling in parallel universes. Yeah, I mean like this is stuff that has been released over the years. So for me it's like yeah this could be very much terrestrial. Is it the big question is why? Yeah, there's a big, it feels like there's an acclimation process towards alternate dimensions and wormholes and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes me wonder if, yeah, this isn't what they're preparing us for, you know? In terms of why, that's always the hardest question. You know, when I think of why teleport something, I think you're trying to hide it. So maybe that point is where Russia and China doesn't have any satellite coverage at that moment, right? And that's the perfect moment to teleport the plane. Mm. And I think that there might be some espionage in play because China released an image that supposedly have wreckage like on the Sunday or a day after or something like that. But the satellite picture they released wasn't timestamped or anything like that. And what it shows is three orbs in a triangle formation, which is very odd. It makes me wonder if like that's not China doing some spy craft to say, hey, United States, we know what you guys were doing. Like we caught you, even though you were trying to hide it, you know? Um, and if since these videos have been out there, I'm sure that China has and their intelligence has looked at these videos, determined their authenticity, and probably at this point knows what happened to the plane, right? If I can figure it out, they can almost certainly figure it out. So where did the plane go though, right? Why do it? Um, Everybody points to Diego Garcia military base. This base is, in my opinion, the new Area 51. Um, It's had at least $50 million, if not much, much more of construction that's essentially been underground, dredging and other stuff with black construction, who their mission statement is that they do insane like complex projects and things like that lockheed martin won a contract for upgrading the power and water there which is uh, a little suspicious of course there was a black vault uh freedom of information act request that showed there may be a cia black site in the past so there potentially are underground prisons there um again it's not open to commercial aircraft mark dugain the french author uh, theorized early on that this is where the plane had gone to and must have gone to because that's one of the only places they could have hidden the 777. Kate T., the witness in 2018, said that she does not believe that the plane was destroyed or blown up, that she believes that the plane somehow got to Diego Garcia military base. And there was a general theory, conspiracy theory out there, that this is where the plane flew as well. Um, that sighting that I talked about over the Maldives gives it more credence as well. The pilot had that point in his simulator for Diego Garcia. It's not open to commercial aircraft, so it's a good place to hide an aircraft. Uh, It has the space. If you look at the runway, um, especially if you go back to Google Earth Pro and look back in years before 2014, there's like 12 giant military airplanes on the runway. It's a huge runway and facility. Um, 
we have the message from Philip Wood saying he was held captive with a picture that had EXIF data that pointed it to Diego Garcia military base. And the one thing I was talking about before, uh, around 2020, someone went and looked at the Facebook for Diego Garcia. And this is where it gets really weird. They found essential doppelgangers for both the pilots and all the crew there. Yeah. People Posted that, on the Facebook page? Mm-hmm. Only just on the Facebook page. There's no articles about this. They Like pictures? Pictures. Just pictures of people. And so what the people have been doing is looking at those pictures and going, this person looks a lot like the pilot or a lot like this crew member. And they all have somebody that looks very similar to them. And, you, and I'm not saying that's dead proof. I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff lining up towards Diego Garcia. Um, there was a big Strava heat map incident with the DOD where, you know, the base's configurations and, and pad, patrol paths were being given away by the fact that people were, had that fitness data on their phones. And so they had to change the protocols to prevent that from happening. I, there's nothing definitive with respect to the heat maps of Diego Garcia, but there is some odd heat map locations like outside the, um, the yacht club that seems like it's a little bit too much for that. Long story short, I believe there's definitely an underground facility there that is built that has, I don't know what exactly, um, but at least potentially places to hold people and maybe even a place to have advanced craft underground. Not entirely sure. They also definitely, though, have a ton of radar dishes. And this place supposedly has radar capability that is extremely advanced that can potentially find planes for thousands of miles away. Um, one other last really interesting thing about Diego Garcia, there's 1,700 military and 1,500 civilians on the island. Space Force has 8,600 total personnel. So this is roughly 20% of all of Space Force is on this island. It's a lot of people. Uh, so Diego Garcia is really interesting. There's definitely something going on there. And if this plane went anywhere, I would bet the world that that's where the plane ended up going. So when you say that, do you are you saying like almost uh, instant travel? We we see it in the video disappear, and then instantaneously it's at Diego Garcia. So it can't just be right there because an object in, mo in motion will stay in motion, mm -hmm. right? We have to get, keep physics in mind. Now, what I wonder is if this plane was landing, as we see in the video and circling, maybe they are preparing for it to be close, right? Or preparing for. And I, who knows, maybe you can't even predict exactly where you teleport. Maybe you can only say that you only get to a certain point. My initial thought was maybe they're going to teleport underground into a base, but it just seems too impossible because this plane's going to be moving at a high rate of speed and it's going to crash if you try to do that. You really need to teleport it above ground somewhere nearby, I think, and then have it slowly fly into where you need and it's going to keep moving at the same speed it was when it teleported. And that, I think, is where that Maldives sighting comes into play. Right now, again, time dilation could be affected here. So we don't know if it's going to appear slightly in the future. Our thought process is it teleports from the Nicobar Islands west somewhere over, uh, you know, Indian Ocean and then flies south over the Maldives and lands right at Diego Garcia based on that sighting. And we're just trying to add up as much evidence as we can at that point. Now, is that certain? Of course not. It's going to be very difficult to prove that that's exactly what happened it's without them admitting it. And it seems like, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like that's kind of like this, this idea is what you're leaning towards. I'm leaning towards that. But again, I'm the type of person that wants everybody to be able to interpret it as much as and in whatever way they want. Mm -hmm. My only motive here is to prove that this is MH370 and potentially the last time that we saw MH370. The pilot underneath this idea then would have been in on it, right? 
It could be. It's hard to say. So the way I look at it is why get another pilot? You know, isn't it easier just to corrupt a pilot and have them do it? Like how much would you even have to pay the pilot to say, okay, you know what? You're going to go start a new life. You'll live on this beautiful tropical island for the rest of your life. And that's how you live out your days. We'll give you 10 million bucks, which is you know nothing for the U.S. government, mm-hmm. whatever. Who says no to that, right? Especially if you're in a situation like the pilot was where, you know, I think he and his wife's situation, they were like either getting a divorce or had been divorced, right? So he's a single guy. Oh, it seems like a good, you know, good chance to me, um, rather than, especially than being killed or whatever your secondary option is. But then the only other way the government can pull it off is they bring another pilot, right? You send another pilot that has to be probably one of those hijackers, one of those fake passengers, and they take over the plane. Just seems more difficult to me, but certainly within the realm of possibility. And the pictures on the Facebook page were of the pilot that we know of. Yep. So forget about the idea of smuggling a somebody on the plane to fly it. The pilot that we know was flying the plane, there are pictures on the Facebook page that look eerily similar, right? Yeah, I mean, you tell me. Take a, take a gander. To me, they look pretty similar. Now, of course, they're not exact, but it does look like people have either slightly changed their appearance, added hair, whatever, changed their hair, but the people do look pretty close. And this is nine years after the event. So they would have aged a little bit too, right? Yeah. Uh, or eight years after. And these are all people from the base? Those are all crew members that were found on the Diego Garcia Facebook page. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty crazy. Why would, they, why would they put them out there like that? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe they're, like, maybe they're just not afraid, right? Look at the whole totality of what we're dealing with here. All this information is just in the public view. And it's just being ignored. Right. So if these people are just out there living their normal lives, I think they're just expecting that the public will ignore it. Right. And if you look at it, it's not like it's super definitive. People are just going to say the same thing that I said, which is that sure they look alike, but you can't just say people look alike are necessarily the same. Yeah. Right. But, so, and that kind of yeah. goes in with the, not to change subjects, but the, mm-hmm. the, uh, I forget what it was called, the, uh, the spaceship that um, blew up and had the teacher on board, like the whole crew that blew up back in the 80s. Um, the challenger, the challenger. Thank you. Yep. They, they, the uh, the, there's been people saying that they found these people that were supposedly dead in you know, professor situations at different universities and stuff. And yeah. I've seen the pictures and it, it looks pretty convincing. And it, again, it's the same question though. It's like, why, why would you put them back out in the public? And it's a little harder if you've got like literal video of the plane explode or the shuttle exploding while it's going mm-hmm. up as well. But you know, if they weren't on the shuttle mm-hmm. then sure. But again, that's why we can't really put too much stock into those types of things where it's pictures. Just another piece of evidence that yeah. kind of adds up to that being the most likely scenario. Um, so with respect to some of these other theories here, I think you already touched on, we touched on a few of them, which is that I don't think money is a big enough factor for this. It seems like the videos explain themselves, which is that what we're seeing, it's hidden because it's too much. It's advanced technology. And it's also being hidden because it's a shadow war for the very technology that we see between these various countries. Mm. Um, the videos are suppressed to hide that hyper-advanced technology from the public because it's not something that we're capable of dealing with at this moment, right? And we can see the ontological shock from the people that watch it. And the videos could theoretically be suppressed to hide non-human intelligence because even if that is our technology, I'm certainly not going to believe that we just came to that by ourselves, mm-hmm. right? No, yeah. we've definitely had some help to create black holes or whatever. We had to have got UFOs, like David Grush said, reverse-engineered them, and then we were able to get superconductivity teleportation, black hole technology, whatever it is, right? And maybe even other things as well. Have you spent any time looking into Tesla and any information that, Mm -hmm. because I know that there's conspiracy theories that we confiscated a lot of his 
work after he died. Is there, could there have been any connection to us for decades now, you know, like a long time having this information and developing technology based off the theories that he developed? I looked into it a lot, actually, not necessarily related to MH370, but I just love the idea of Tesla in general. And mm -hmm. he seemed like he was a visionary. I mean, his main idea was wireless power, right? And I think wireless power is going to be a real thing. We have a wireless internet. Why mm -hmm. can't we have wireless power, right? Yeah. And his idea was that he could, um, you know, harness the energy from the earth through like a pole essentially. And then you could transmit that electronic wirelessly wherever you need the power to go. You know, I think he was way ahead of his time. Now, did we take his technology and use it? I think we certainly could have, but I dug through it and I couldn't find any corroborating evidence for that type of stuff. There certainly are the conspiracy theories out there, but it's hard to find hard evidence for something that was like that so long ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now with respect to some of these, uh, narratives, the espionage narrative. So I just want to go through some of those facts and you can ask me if you think there's anything else. I think I addressed most of them, but the satellite switching and sticking to IOR 30 minutes prior to kind of lends itself to the espionage scenario. And these are all related to the espionage scenario right now. The up to three fake passengers on board the plane that could have been in and involved on it, either jamming the plane, flying the plane, anything. The pilot and crew might be in on it. It seems like the pilot changes flight from MH150 to MH370 at the last minute. We see the SIM data in the computer. We see the lookalikes on the uh, island. At 1721, we would assume in this scenario that there's some type of electronic jamming happening. Either a plane is jamming it or a device on board the plane is jamming it at that point. The plane is flown to Penang as either a waypoint or it's just they didn't actually fly to Penang and the data's wrong and they actually fly directly to our coordinates. You know, I don't want to rule out any other data, but those are scenarios. Um, the U.S. military is basically then the scenario waiting there for this as this is the rendezvous point of the operation where they're planning on teleporting the plane to get it to Diego Garcia. And then the question is, what do you do with the crew in this scenario, right? I don't think that they would have killed the crew. I don't think they were that evil and I don't think we're that dark. For multiple reasons. One, I'm still here and I've been blowing this thing up for six weeks straight. Nobody's tried to silence me, even though I was very paranoid for the first week. I've come to realize that I don't think that that's the U.S. government's modus operandi here. I think that it's more of a disinformation, discredit, throw out false information that people believe and that hope that nobody puts the pieces together. That's what I think their deal is. So what do they do with the passengers? I imagine they would have made deals with the countries to say, okay, here, China. Yeah, we're not giving you back those 20 semiconductor scientists, but if you want your other 100 passengers, you know, you just got to make sure they don't go to Chinese TV, which is not going to be a problem for China that controls all their media. Malaysia might be a little bit harder, and I think that's why Barack Obama hung out with the prime minister for two months, for two days after the event to talk him through this, probably rationalize why it had to be done and give him assurances that everyone will either be safe or return back at a later point in time. Um, and then with the other few countries like Indonesia, we just push over Indonesia. I'm afraid like they compared to the United States, we would just tell them essentially what to do. And then the other few countries that are Western countries will fall, fall in line as well. And there's only a few passengers that would even be risked, including Philip Wood. So if I had imagined what would happen to Philip Wood, he got drugged or whatever, put in a CIA black site, whatever, sent that message out. I think they would have convinced them that, Hey, if you want your life to continue, you've got to join witness protection. And then you're just off the grid, never to be seen again, never to go in front of the media. He can maybe see his loved ones once a year or something like that, right? But otherwise, he doesn't exist anymore. Who's Philip Wood again? So Philip Wood was the passenger who posted a picture on 4chan. It was a black picture where he claimed to be held prisoner, that he was on MH370, and he's been drugged. 
and that he was being held against his will and that he had smuggled a phone in his butt. And that's how he was able to take the picture. Now, a lot of people ask questions like, why wouldn't you just call like all your contacts? And I'm not sure the answer to that. I have a feeling there's an explanation, but I don't know the exact answer. Like, was he not able to get a signal due to where he was, but was able to get onto a Wi-Fi network somehow? Maybe it wasn't even his own phone. Maybe they were taking phones and he grabbed a phone and jammed it up his butt. Now you don't have any of your contacts. So now what do you do? And people say, well, why wouldn't you, you know, why would you go to 4chan? And I would argue that's the smartest place to go. It's anonymous. They're not going to censor your contact. They're not going to remove you from there, right? You're going to be seen for sure. You know, if the government is in control of this operation, they're going to control the media too. They're not going to let this blow up where you are claiming that you're some prisoner, right? So the places you want to go are those places that are off the grid on the internet, like 4chan. Even Reddit, I feel like, would most likely delete something like that without letting it get any attention whatsoever. So I think there is some plausible explanation for why that might be real. The people that debunk that are the same people that have debunked our video using a 2D effect from a 90s video game, Metabunk. So I think it is very interesting that these debunks for these all come from the same source and they appear to be fake debunks for the most part. I don't think it is easy to fake the EXIF data, um, but that's just my personal opinion. Hmm. Um, Now, what else? So you deal with the passengers, right? You make the deals with China, Malaysia, Indonesia. Philip Wood resists. Where is he now? Maybe he's in witness protection. And then you throw the debris in the ocean. You either break down the plane and you throw a couple pieces in the ocean so that people think that it crashed, even though the official search found nothing. Or you use the other plane that they had and you throw a couple of those pieces in the ocean. So that's the scenario for the espionage, which really comes down to those semiconductor scientists, right? Stealing them, making sure that China doesn't crack superconductivity, can't catch up to the technological advancements that we've been able to reverse engineer. So let me ask you real quick, uh, and this is something that I don't even have really much of a memory, but a feeling that I remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Malaysian president... Prime Minister, yeah. Yeah, Prime Minister. So when he was... When this all happened, I rem- I feel like I remember him being very vocal about this and and saying things that made you kind of scratch your head and be like, "What are you?" What, there was a lot of weird know? statements that were yeah. made, like you know, they didn't know about the radar tracking. They were very late to give the information over. There was this whole who's in control of the chain of custody of the information that was very vague as well. The way the ping data even got to um, the independent group was through a family member. Like was given into it from the Malaysian government. I would argue the chain of custody of the ping data is even worse than the chain of custody of our videos. Wow. At least in our videos, we only have like two connections. And this, these ping data, we're going from a government that was like maybe had the data that gave it to a family member that's then giving it to someone official. Like that does not feel like the right chain of custody to me. Yeah. So pretty interesting on that front as well. Um, now, the other big scenario is really the UFO encounter scenario. Right, which also has a significant amount of evidence that goes along with it, much like the espionage scenario. So I want to run through some of that as well, and you'll see how it kind of lines up in a slightly different way than the espionage scenario lines up. So in the UFO encounter scenario, um, give me just one second, I'm trying to scroll down to it. The big thing about the UFO encounter scenario is that 1721, we have this emergency event happen that jams the plane and potentially turns the plane around. So in this UFO slash emergency event scenario, the plane has encountered an unexpected UFO that has done something to the plane. Maybe it's damaged the plane. Maybe it has depressurized the plane. Maybe it has caused a fire. 
but it's definitely jammed the electronics. So now the plane is trying to go to Penang to land because it's an emergency situation. Um, and if the plane is damaged, let's say the landing gear is damaged, they might not be able to land. Maybe it's not safe to land. Maybe the UFO is chasing them or tracking them or whatever the situation might be. We can't really tell how a non-human intelligence would act. Um, in fact, maybe that the UFOs are interested in the lithium batteries that are in the cargo hold, which is an extremely rare light metal. Um, the co-pilot's cell phone pinging over Penang could be an indication that they're trying to contact help while having their signals being jammed, right? And then with respect to the witness, when they get over that Nicobar Islands location, you know, this could be a situation where they've communicated with the U.S. military and said, here's the place where we need you to go, where you can land in the water, where it'll be safe for you, where we'll be able to get a hold of you, right? And then the witness sees the smoking plane that's glowing, right? And it looks like it's landing, which corroborates all of these events as well, which says, okay, maybe this was some type of emergency scenario. Now, she doesn't see the orbs, but we don't necessarily know that the orbs are even visual to the visual eye. That she does see a uniform glowing plane. So in that scenario, you can kind of take it how you want, but the government is in there because they've been tracking it because it's off, you know, going rogue. And they have happened just to be in the right place at the right time to see the events that we see there play out. Now, where does that mean that they got taken in that situation? You know, that's where you could say they get to another dimension, they send them to the planet Xenu, or maybe they're even saving them because the plane is, you know, in a fatal situation and this is, you know, some last hope to save those mm -hmm. people. So there's optimistic approaches and then there's the, the more pessimistic ones as well in that type of scenario. Yeah, I think that both, you know, have great merit to proceed with and mm -hmm. to pursue in line of thinking. Uh, and just to be clear, you've said this several times now, the witness being KT, uh, mm -hmm. uh, she saw a glowing plane. So not just a plane, but a plane that was glowing like it, had, like it was... Orange uniform glow that almost looked like it had a halo over it, is what she said. Um, and that was right before it disappeared? Or, it, it, or was it glowing it's like from the time she started seeing it? Yep. It's from the time she started seeing it. So she saw it for about five to 10 minutes, she says. And she watched it come time. from far away. She thought at first it was a missile as it's coming at her, right? Probably from the east that so she's watching it come in. As she, she sees it from an angle, she starts to realize that, no, that's not a missile. That's a plane, right? And as it circles around, it comes around the back of her boat and goes south past her boat. And that's when she can tell that it's a passenger plane, right? Because she can see it clearly enough and low enough that it's a passenger plane. Now, this is the part where her sighting is very odd which is then she claimed she went down into the cabin to make some tea or something. If you're watching a glowing freaking plane in the pitch black, the last thing I'm doing is going downstairs to stop watching it, right? So yeah. here's what I think really happened. I think she saw the plane literally disappear. And then she said, okay, that's crazy. I'm going to go down and do that. And then she comes back up and now she's watching the after effect of whatever we saw happen. An orange glow halo out there. And she simply presumes that the plane went to the South Indian Ocean because that's what everybody told her she should think, right? That to me is what I think is going to be the real story. But again, as I talk to her in the next coming days, I think that will start to really clear, clear, clear up and you know, tell us really what actually happened. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm really looking forward to talking with her in more detail and figuring out how much is exactly corroborated by her eyewitness account. Judging by what I read, she she speaks English. Oh, yeah. She's a UK citizen. So gotcha. English okay. is her first language. Yes. Perfect. Yep. 
And then there's these other theories as well, right? And a lot of them are like splinter or hybrid theories based on what we were already talking about that can fit the facts, but maybe not all the evidence and facts. One of them is there could be a decoy plane. So that plane that we talked about, that second plane, could have been a decoy plane to spoof the pings. You teleport the plane somewhere else, now you send another plane in to go ahead and you know spoof those additional radar pings. Um, and that's a theory that's been thrown out there. But it's kind of hard to support. One of the pieces of evidence it does support is that Kate T claims to have seen two other planes high in the sky with navigation lights on. Hmm. So either those are the AWACs that are AWACs that are jamming the plane, or maybe that's a decoy plane that's coming in to you know spoof the radar pings. It's it's hard to say exactly. And then so I think we already talked about the nanochips thing with the Rothschilds. The UFOs could have been saving the passengers from their own doom. The UFOs could have been attracted to lithium batteries. The government could be working with the non-human intelligence to whatever means, you know, who knows exactly. Nefarious, positive, unsure. Or the last one that I like to throw out there is that this is all fake. The plane turned in and flew into the South Indian Ocean, ran out of gas, despite no indication of suicide, us checking above and below the water and finding nothing all along the final arc and the flight path. <laughs> Doesn't seem probable. No, it does not seem very probable to me either, especially after going through all of the evidence, right? Yeah. So that's pretty much the story of kind of all the evidence that we have out there in terms of how it lines up at this point. Now, there is more evidence that's coming out there, much more actually, yeah, including a bunch of other supplemental pieces of evidence. But at this point, you know, I think we've got more evidence than was used to convict Alex Murdoch of killing his family. Um, we've got two videos. We've got the time. We've got all the assets. Uh, we know the satellite that was looking down there with the very specific capabilities that are required to create the 3D video. I mean, what more can people want, honestly? Yeah. Right. And I think the hardest part, again, is just the vortex and the orbs. If that wasn't in these videos, I think this would already be solved all over national media. Right. But because we have that, that's the reason why it's too hard for people to believe. Yeah. Especially in 2014. I mean, it was, was it 2014 that it came out, the yep. video? Yeah. So, I mean, it was back then, this stuff that we're dealing with today wasn't even on the radar. People weren't yep. thinking this way. So it, it's definitely something that um, is, is earth shattering, groundbreaking for people to comprehend and understand. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that there's going to be tons of information that gets uncovered still yeah. uh, with the, with, as time goes on, especially with your, your, interactions with the witness now yeah i i think that opens a door to reality mm -hmm. not just a theory yep. hypothesizing like like you gotta talk to her and find out what she saw yeah because we know what we see on this end mm -hmm. we need somebody who was there and saw it too and it could just that, that could be the nail in the coffin because we can cross-reference everything we saw, right? And mm -hmm. then we can say, okay, well, we the orbs aren't visible. She didn't see them. We're seeing them in IR. That can confirm that. I mean, it can confirm a lot of the clues about it. If she says that she straight up saw the plane disappear and that she's told somebody beforehand, well, there you go. That's the nail in the coffin right there, right? Is yeah. that we would have corroboration before these videos even got popular that she had seen that. Mm. Um, so that, to me, if I hear those words is when that's when I'll start dancing pretty much. But... Even without that, there's so much corroboration from her eyewitness testimony that I am looking very forward to, you know, kind of comparing the rest of the data and seeing what else we can figure out. Do you have any plans on talking to her soon? Did you guys talk about that at all? Yeah, I think we'll talk very soon. So, you know, she seems very interested in being part of the investigation and helping get this figured out after having seen the videos. Um, but, you know, I want to respect her wishes as well. You know, she's somebody who I think wants to 
try to keep her privacy as much as possible. Mm-hmm. It, although who knows if that will even be you know, a thing that is possible after this. Um, but I do want to shield her from that because she's somebody who is brave enough to report this and to deal with all these experts who are gaslighting her and stick with her story and tell her truth. The last tweet that she posted before we got back in contact with her was 2022. And she was asking why all the families, the victims of the families had gone silent. And her comment was, the silence is sinister. Hmm. And to me, that is very telling because I've reached out to the family members too. None of them have reached out to me. Nobody from any other family members have contacted me. I've had probably well over 10 million impressions across social media. If it was my family that had gone missing, I would never give up. In fact, I would become more dedicated the longer it went when I had no answers. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that is a little bit odd to me. And I think it actually does lead credence to the idea of an espionage theory and scenario. It's Mm -hmm. hard to believe. It's hard to wrap your brain around, but it seems to make sense. Yeah, I in from my interactions with witnesses, uh, I talked to a woman. Uh, we we shot a documentary in Washington earlier this year, and we came across a missing person case. And uh, we found we got in contact with a lady who was actually engaged to the person that's missing. He's still missing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has no uh, vested interest in him anymore. But even for her, like because we were exploring different thoughts and theories as to what was going on, and she just said, "I don't care." what happened to him, who took him or what took him. I just need to know what happened, you know? And uh, you're right. Exactly. I mean, for, for all those families to be silent and not be talking at all, screams that they've been told to keep quiet. Very odd. Definitely. And may, maybe it's not even like under threat, but payoff or threat and payoff. Like you're not going to say anything or else you lose your life. And also here's $50 million for you. And so now you're taking this money. We are also telling you, you're never going to talk about this. You had to sign an NDA probably for that. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's just like, you can, you're going to take this money. You're never going to talk about this. The other option is we give you the money. We tell you you're never going to talk about it. You talk about it and you die. You disappear or whatever. Yeah. And, we, and, 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 here, and here's 10 scenarios that we already cooked up so that when you disappear, it's perfectly explainable. Yeah, Nobody's going to believe that anything yeah. bad happened to you. Exactly. And so it, it just, it, it presents this, this, this scenario. It's just like, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. I love my brother, but. It's pretty scary. And yeah, you know, I, we're definitely going down the conspiracy route here, yeah. but I think that's what this video is all about. Right. And then unfortunately that comes, that's the baggage that comes with these videos is that you can't just take the videos because. In order to believe the videos are real, you have to understand there had to be some type of cover-up. Mm-hmm. And then the extent of that cover-up depends on what narrative you really um, align with, right? Um, it can either just be about the non-human intelligence, it can be about hiding the technology, and it can be about hiding the people as well. So yeah, to your point, like that's what I wanted to know from the family members is, what did anything weird happen with respect to the investigation? Did anyone reach out to you? Did anything odd happen when you felt like things didn't line up? That's what I wanted to ask the family members. And to date, none have reached out to me on that. And I think the witness may actually have some information on that as well, because presumably she'll have had some inside information and talked to some family members. Why do you think that she would have talked to to family members? Probably because if I'm a family member and there's a witness, I'm definitely going to reach out to them to see what they saw. Mm. So I'm kind of guessing, but I think it's a good chance. I'm assuming you already thought about this, but just random thought. um, Highly suggest to... um, uh, your communications with her have a very encrypted, uh, yeah, probably a good call signal, something <laughs> like that, you know, 
figure out a way to make sure that it's not interceptable or at least uh, as mm -hmm. little as possible. Um, We're going to do our best to protect her. And yeah. we've already had some talks about how we will do that. Um, so I think our highest priority is keeping her safe, especially if the videos are real. She might be one of the most important people on the planet, uh, being as that she saw it in real time. Mm -hmm. Do we have any ability to make sure she stays safe as far as, or at least um, a dead man switch kind of thing? Like maybe that's something that she should invest in her time where it's like, if I go missing, this happens because... Yeah, I don't want to freak her out really, but to your point, like these are good ideas that we are going to contemplate with yeah. her as the conversation unfolds For a little sure. bit. And if she feels uncomfortable, then absolutely we'll make sure that all assurances are in place. Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of debunks I want to address too, because a lot of people want to say, okay, these have been debunked by various things. They don't look right to me, what have you. Um, and these are some of the more common ones that I hear, which is uh, the clouds don't move. The clouds actually do move. Even the people that uh, you know are against the videos and think they're fake actually have proven that the clouds do move. It's just over a like 10 second period, 12 second period of time. You can see that there is some cloud movement. I want to point out in the satellite video, the frame of reference changes eight times when they move those coordinates. So what we're looking at is changing each time. So part of the reason why you might not see a lot of apparent change is because we are seeing that focal change multiple times. And so each individual point is only for about eight seconds or so, as opposed to looking at one consistent point for an entire minute. Um, we also don't know the capabilities of these videos. So from a satellite perspective, you know, it's hard to determine, is it really an IR or not? Like a lot of that is classified capability, but we can make some very strong deductive assertions that um, kind of show us that it is extremely likely that it is at night and in a false color IR. Hmm. Um, the contrails, people mentioned that either the contrails jitter or don't jitter. Honestly, I've heard it both ways. Um, the contrails from all the experts that looked at them seem to flow correctly and naturally like they would. When the orbs go through the back of them, they displace the, con the, the, the trails behind the plane, the exhaust, whatever it is. Um, the, the exhaust does move around from the wind slightly. When the drone goes underneath the tail of the plane, and uh, you can actually see there is some turbulence that happens as well from that, which would be natural. Um, so those are some of the biggest ones. There was one as well about some type of frame rate difference between the zap and something else that ended up being completely fake, and it had to be it was an artifact of the software that was being used on that. Uh, that was one of the earliest ones that debunks that was itself debunked, but I hear it come back uh, pretty often. Um, then there's the big one that I mentioned before about the VFX from the video game from the nineties. Um, not only does it not match, it was falsified. So they modified it to try to make it match. And then they were only able to match up one frame or two frames, however they, many way they want to claim. And they're not even matches even when they match those frames up. The argument that they make is they were able to align a couple dots and say that, oh, these dots are in the same spot. It must there logically be the same. I've got about three or four different GIFs that show that they're objectively different um, assets. And not just that, the Doom VFX assets, a 2D video game. In order to create the models that we see, you'd have to create a 3D model. So it makes no sense to have a 2D effect applied into a 3D model. Um, as I pointed out as well, the VFX color is white originally from the Doom game. Ours is black, so it's not even the same color. Uh, I don't put really any merit into prosaic debunks that say that this doesn't look right or that this should look like that or this looks like this therefore it is that because you know a lot of things look similar it doesn't make them the same um 
we actually did a comparison just as joking that you could say that you could take a donut and turn the donut into our zap effect if you just manipulate it, right? Um, so for the most part, all of the debunks to date have been themselves debunked and don't hold up to scrutiny. And you know, I've challenged everybody who has tried to promote them, and nobody has been able to you know provide any sort of um, strong counter argument. So going forward, what is going to be required to debunk these videos is that you must have a full story to explain who hoaxed it, how they hoaxed it, how they got the intel, the classified intel to even know what it should look like, how they were able to do it in less than 72 days, maybe within less than four days, and somehow Regicide would himself have to be in on it because he's the one who says he got the video within four days. So either he was lying because he was in on it or he's telling the truth because the videos are real. What you find out very quickly is there's no possible story that makes any sense in which these videos are hoaxed. And that just leaves us with one conclusion. The videos are real. And that's the presentation. <laughs> uh, so the, the video game theory, uh, are you suggesting then the way it sounds, and you said it this way several times, mm -hmm. the people who, who uh, presented that theory, are they plants then? Are they, are they people that are basically working to make sure that the real narrative stays covered up? That's a really good question, right? And if we talk about disinformation, one thing I want to be careful about is that I don't think that everybody out there who's against the videos, who's against UFOlogy and what have you is a disinformation agent, right? Mm -hmm. I think that what they use is uh, social consensus, right? Consensus cracking is one of the things that they call it, manufactured consensus. So the idea is that you present ideas out there to reinform people's cognitive biases. This can't be possible. So you give them a plausible reason for why it can't be possible. Everybody immediately buys into it. And the power of peer pressure is extremely strong. You see this the most on Reddit where you have upvote and downvote situations. Everybody wants to be upvoted. Everyone wants to believe whatever's upvoted is true. So essentially all it takes is one bad actor surrounded by people who themselves think they're smarter than everyone else. And it's really hard to discern the difference between people who are simply egotistical and unable to think outside the box and people who are acting maliciously. I do believe that there are some people who are acting maliciously, including possibly the ringleader of the Metabunk website. Mostly because if you go back and look at that website, it seems like the whole point of that website is to you know, draw ambiguity to situations that have a ton of evidence, right? Mm -hmm. The Diego Garcia picture debunk and our videos as well. There's tons more out there. The people that run that website are very well known. Not just that. If you believe these videos are fake, why do you care? Why do you even care what people think is fake or not, right? The only way that you would actually care is because you know or you are afraid that the videos are actually real and that them coming out as real is going to look really bad for you. That gives you a very strong incentive to try to prove that the videos are fake. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, your whole career is over if you've banked it on saying that these videos are fake. Which is why I've been watching very closely to the people who claim that they are. And very few people are willing to go out on a limb and say that they're fake because of that. I think it's very telling. Because they know that when the videos are proven authentic, anyone who's gone out there and put themselves on a limb to say they're fake is going to have their credibility completely destroyed. Mm. So... Uh this is where we're at in the investigation. And with people that are viewing this on YouTube or listening on podcasts, I mean, if they have information that they feel might be pertinent to get to you, yeah. is, there a, is there a fast lane 
or do you have like, do you have an email set up for people or is it just go to the Twitter page and send We've got it all. We've got it all. So let's run through the ways you can get in contact with me. And it's going to be probably more and more difficult as, you know, this is starting to blow up and mm-hmm. be more and more national attention. But I do try to give everybody out there as much attention as I can, regardless of who they are, you know. Um, and I try to appreciate everybody who expresses support. So you can find me on Twitter. It's just X Ashton on Twitter. You can come and you can come to our subreddit, which is MH370X subreddit. I've also set up an email, which is MH370X at proton.me. So if you want to send me anything in private that is, you know, a secure email address, you can email me that information there as well. You can also go to my profile on Twitter and you can find our Discord. Our Discord is a group of very intelligent people who are trying to solve the mystery, pull up past archive news sources, anything that can help corroborate our events that we're seeing on here. Um, And they're very dedicated. It's a fun group, very respectful. We've had almost no problems in our Discord with anyone being disrespectful, trolling, anything like that. So you can reach out to us in any of those ways if you have any hints, clues. If you're somebody who knows the secret of this and you want to just let us know, um, I would be happy to hear from you. Yeah. And that Proton is uh, encrypted email, so you Mm -hmm. can feel safe if you're somebody who's worried about the email side of things. Uh, Listen, man. I appreciate you sharing this information today. I think it's been uh, tons of information that you have here. I was watching you go through your notes on your phone. And I was like, man, that just that list just keeps <laughs> going and going, and and that's good. Yeah, that, that's good. I mean, and this is stuff that you were able to do in a six week period. I mean, this all started for you six weeks ago. Yeah, it's crazy to think of how much work we've done. And the reality is, I'm going to do another version of that list probably in the next week or two with ton more evidence that we put together. One of the things I posted today was. The girlfriend of Philip Wood went on CNN a month afterwards and just said straight up she believes that the airplane was hijacked or abducted. Just said it. A month afterwards. This is well into the South Indian Ocean narrative. Just comes out and says it. It's like, there's so much stuff out there that is already pointing to exactly what we're looking at here. And it's all just ignored because what really people believe is whatever is repeated on the media, mm-hmm. right? That's how lies are spread. You repeat it until it's the truth. And that's what it was, especially back then. There was way more right. trust back then in the media than there is today. 100%. That's, that's, so she said abducted. I mean, do we have any reference as to what kind of abduction she's talking about? I mean, we could talk about like, like a, a person abducting a child or it's alien. It's an interesting choice of words, right? Right. It's yeah. a very interesting choice of words. Because you would think that a hijacking would be an abduction, yeah. right? So, I think that's what she's talking about. Okay. Right. I yeah. think she's talking about hijacking because when you look at the events and what we broke it down, hijacking does seem like it's the most plausible scenario, right? And that mm-hmm. fits in with the espionage scenario as well. Yeah. The reason why people thought didn't think it's hijacking is because we're thinking of 9-11. We're thinking of guys with box cutters and you know terrorists taking over a plane and trying to crash it. We're not thinking of somebody trying to take a plane and disappear it to somewhere, right? That was, I think, the big missing link in this. But I want to thank you, Tony, for having me on. Uh, it's just, you know, this has been awesome. It's been fun chatting with you today and yeah. going through everything. And I hope that we stay in contact after this as well. Oh, for sure. We for, for sure will. <laughs> I, awesome. I, want, I want to know what happens to Kate. I, I, I keep wanting to say just Katie, but I'm just... Kate T. T, Yeah. Uh, I want to see what happens to her. And Mm -hmm. uh, my Lord, like, I I need, like, I I really need to know. You need to know the closure on this? I I do. Like, I I need to know what, what does she know? That's the biggest question for me. I want to know what does she know? What did she see? Uh, Like, maybe I'll give you the inside info on that before I leak it to everybody else. I would love it. I would love it. And (laughs) if she's like, do you know any platform for me to talk on? Get get her over here. Okay. Uh, I would 
do it in a heartbeat. Awesome. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming in the studio today. Yeah. I mean, it was last moment. I mean, we literally, I woke up yesterday and uh, had an email from you. Yeah. And we started communicating, I think a couple hours later, we talked on the phone about an hour or two after that, I'm booking you a plane flight to come here. Made and so this was just very fast. So I'm glad that you were able to do this. Oh yeah, my pleasure. Uh, and I'm just glad that uh, we were able to kind of give you a, the ability to share all the information. Do you feel like you shared all the information? Is there anything that we were leaving out that, that... I feel like we did a pretty good job here okay. in terms of going through all the highlights. I think we addressed all the major frequently asked questions that people will ask. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's more stuff out there that people want to know. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's more to come on that, yeah. you know? So I think that this gives people like an overview of what the investigation is. What are we looking at? What are the narratives? What is the strongest evidence, you know? And it gives them the, the breakdown, the deconstruction of the myths that are out there from the media, mm -hmm. you know, the pilot suicide myth, the debris myth. Everybody likes to focus on the debris that was found, but not the debris that wasn't found. The fact that we never found a plane, yeah. right? So that's the strongest stuff that I think people need to pay attention to. Yeah. And the reality is what I'll say is that if this rises to higher attention, media attention, this whole thing will unravel and it will turn out to be the largest verifiable conspiracy of all time. Yeah. No, it, it it's funny how information can pacify people. Because I mean, even me, I, I, I think mm -hmm. I said to you either on the show or in the truck on the way over here that I remember seeing them discovering like a piece of the plane. I'm like, oh, must be over. Must be done, you know? And uh, and so it, it's one of those things where it just really pacifies people, just a little bit of information. But the reality is when this happened, people all over the world were looking for this plane. Mm -hmm. And the common thing was people were saying, it's like it just disappeared. Yep. And the thing is, it did. It did just disappear, turns out. Yeah. We got two videos doing showing just that. So Man. pretty amazing. It's Definitely recommend everybody out there to watch the videos. Um, you can find all the different versions also on my Twitter. If you want to watch the various different versions, the strip thermal version is one of my favorites that really shows those trails very clearly. Mm -hmm. um, but all of them are just amazing. I think I've watched each of them a thousand times. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. You probably dream about it by this point. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming in today. Thank you, Tony. Absolutely. Have a great day. Things look a little different when I look at the heavens Low from the brush strokes leave a different impression Behind the holy water all I'm seeing is doubles Used to stop at the sixes, now I push to the sevens This is my confession, whoa, whoa, whoa The lights around me beckon, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm lost in my reflection, no, no, no I ain't trying to go away at all I'm caught up in the lights on the mesa They're so bright Makes me think about life In the desert that swallowed me whole I'm just trying to cruise on a trail For something they can define I just never knew a box I couldn't decline I never thought of being one of a kind I just spent my time elevating my mind This is my confession, whoa, whoa, whoa The lights around me beckon, yeah, yeah, yeah Lost in my reflection, no, no, no I ain't trying to go away at all I don't know if I'm caught up in the lights on the mesa so bright, makes me think about life in the desert that's swallowing me whole. 